0: We love him. Let's get it
1: again. Good thing we ain't live.
0: (laughs) No, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Listen, you know what? I'm gonna keep it raw. All right, raw pause. Uh, (laughs) And and, and let the people know if we do this is a start over. Okay, fuck it. We're gonna start over. Start from beginning. Big tune. Let's get it popping. Let's go. Let's get it.
2: I huh.
1: know what you know I know what you like. We got to be of a legend right now. From the first ten episodes in this mofo, I'm really not giving a fuck. I see you getting hurt with it. My opponent's getting murk shovels and dirt, digging, or maybe a hearse fit These niggas acting like women, so bury a purse with Not even a nurse to fix them.
0: We're going to get back to the conversation about the this dude, yeah. okay? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
0: All right, all right. But before we do that, I want to give a big salute to my sponsors here, Astro Pink. If you know, you know, check them out on their website, myastropink.com or on their Instagram, the real Instagram, astro underscore pink. All right. Now, even before we get to the intro. Yeah. Okay. This tune that I'm, that we, we started it off with here, psych is banging down the place. You know yes. what I'm saying? Yes, yes. Sonically, as a, as accomplished as you are now, Does it still stand up to the way that, you know, you you do your stuff today?
1: Yeah. I I think um, I didn't do the final mix on that. That was my man, Dan Weston. Mm -hmm. Salute. Usually does my albums and stuff like that. Uh, But I think for me, it's always about how loud it can be Mm. and how clear it can be. I want you to hear every instrument, but I still want it to bang. Yeah, yeah. I think that's every producer. Uh every creative wants their stuff to be heard like that. So I think it still stands up today, but I definitely make it louder. Yeah? Just make it louder. Yeah.
0: Listen, fam. One thing also, even before I get to the intro with that tune, the fucking 808 that you had on that, mm. I feel like it was early when 808 started becoming a more um prevalent thing in people's beats.
1: Mm. I the 808 has always been prevalent. It's just how it's been utilized, I guess. Yeah, Because you know, it it, it it I feel like the south took the 808 especially like when you heard those early like crunk tunes back mm-hmm. in the day the mm-hmm. fucking uh 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 Lil john, Lil John, yeah. When like when you heard like I remember like going to those all-ages parties when I was a youth. Those fucking platinum parties at fucking Club 108 and shit like that. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, I'm going to take it back for some of y'all, you know, yeah, young that. niggas, you don't know about this, obviously. The niggas that are in their mid-30s and can go back, you know what I'm talking about. And you hear like Lil Jon, that song, B-I-B-I, mm-hmm. why you reckon like, yo, that 808 would boom. And for me, I was a nigga that was by the speakers. So that's why I'm mildly mildly deaf right now as a as a as a 35-year-old. But <laughs> you know, I'm by the speakers, get my bubble up on a thing, probably your mom, uh, at this age. And um, yeah, it's just the 808s were banging so hard. Mm-hmm. They're just banging so hard. So, you know, those kind of like influences from the South, like Lil John. Fucking uh, who is a Manny Fresh. Mm. You know, like those are the guys that were using the 808s in a way where you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. E- even uh, Jermaine Dupri. Jermaine Dupri too. Like everybody that was doing it in the South, like those South producers really took those 808s. And and for those who don't know, 808 is actually a kit from Roland. Okay. Roland, uh, you know, they make their uh, the keyboard synthesizers and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm that, that's, that's a name of the, like, the actual kit. So there's 808 kicks, there's 808 snares, 808 hi-hats. They're all part of the 808 the, library. Yeah. But it's like, I think because the bass is the most famous part of it, mm-hmm. everybody calls 808's bass now. Uh, right? Yeah. Cause there's a 909 kit. There's like different kits that come, yeah. that's that's educational yeah, right there. I good. thought it was just a style of bass. No, no, it's just really a setting on like the rolling. Yeah. So rolling, anybody yeah. can achieve the quote
0: unquote 808 sound mm. with maybe a different type of kit if they just use yeah, the right Yeah, right? The
1: 808 is just like really a sign. Mm-hmm. Uh, they call it, they call the sound like a sign, right? A sine wave or a sign. So it's just like, you know, you, you get higher on it and it turns into a melody. Get lower on it; it turns into like a bit. It's not even like a sound anymore. It's
0: just vibration. Okay, okay. Well, listen, science. (laughs)
1: We're
0: gonna be educating the babies here on a lot of things because I feel like this gentleman that we have here, and for the people in the viewing audience, to y'all hit the subscribe, hit the like. You already know what it is, and the people in the listening audience, you're hearing that deep voice. You're like, that voice. You know, the heads out here are like, "I I recognize that voice right there. You know what I'm saying? So with no further ado, we have the legend, Rich Kid. Actually, legendary producer, and not producer of just music, producer of visual arts. You know what I'm saying? Oh, thank y'all. Yeah, I know my shit, bro. And, you know what I'm saying? Legendary lyricist as well. You know what I mean? Rich Kid in the motherfucking building.
1: Uh, you know, for me, it's just all art. I just create just to have fun with it. Mm. So I'm 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 be I'm blessed to, you know. Sometimes I wake up, I'm just like, it's crazy. Like I've been able to just do what I want in life, yeah, and not have so much pressure put up put upon me, like to actually have to carry too many things on my shoulder. Right? Yeah. And there's times I could have, but I think if I do, where is the fun in that? Where I have to fucking feel like I gotta like lift all these things. It's just, I just wanna be able to create and just been able to do that, I love it. Yeah, and you know one thing I
0: also forgot to add to the list of things that you're, the hats that you wear, teacher as well. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? Teacher, you know? counselor to the youth, like you're your you're, you're voice to the youth to, to, to bridge the gap as well. You know what I'm saying? I don't uh, wanna commend you on that.
1: Honestly, if you would've told my teachers back when I was in high school that I would be a teacher, <laughs> they would be scared. They would like, what? Him? Yay. What? The man that, the, the kid that's disrupting my class all the time. But yeah, like, you know, I've, I teach from experience, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, the things that I've learned through the industry, uh, what I've learned, just, you know, being able to make some dope tracks for artists I respect, you know, perform on different stages around the world. And then also like, Throughout all that, still be involved in the community. Yeah. Uh, just in my neighborhood and in the city of Toronto, being able to be a part of so many influential programs that help, uh, garner a lot of attention, but also garner a lot of support mm-hmm. to youth that are just so talented. Yeah. Have so much, uh, talent, but not their voices aren't heard enough. Yeah. And f- for me to be a part of Remix Project, Pre- Remix Project, Lost Lyrics, all these different programs that help out youth, Urban Arts, when mm-hmm. I was doing uh, Beats My Movement, it's just incredible, bro. No, nah, man.
0: It's a blessing, fam. And I want to also congratulate you on getting your gold plaque for I Wish I Knew Natalie Portman. Oh, thank you. Thank you, you know what I'm saying? Oh, thank you. So can you talk? Let's, let's start with some, some of that right there. Cause yes, that's, sir. That, that's a tune right there. Chaos. Um, it's big socks, you know what I'm saying? Yes,
1: sir. Big socks.
0: Tell us about making that tune.
1: And did you think that it would become a? You get a gold plaque off of that one day? Uh, that's the thing. Nah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. I, I, I felt it was gonna be a, a dope tune, mm-hmm. but I wasn't looking at the accolades. I was kind of looking for just a way to get on when I was doing it. I was living in Chain and Finch with my cousin Bucks. Uh, I was living, I was staying in his sister's room because his sister moved out, my cousin, uh, who I just went to her wedding earlier last year, you know, proud of her. Congrats. But I was, I was living in her room. I just sold enough drugs to get Yorkville speakers. And I made that tune after watching TV, uh, Fox, and then I seen the OC. And then I was heard the theme song. I am like, yo, this theme song is dope. Yeah. Sorry if I'm, you know, like I told uh, uh, Friday just a minute ago, I took some shrooms. So no, fam. I'm, I, I, need- I'm, 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 I, might, I might be flubbing on my words, but I'm just trying to visualize and bring it back. No, yeah. I, I, I want you to give me the full breakdown oh, yeah, of these stories. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. take your time, bro. Yeah, yeah. So back to the... So yeah, I was just watching the OC. I was just like, yo, this theme song is dope. So I actually sampled it right from the TV. Mm. I, I connected the, the you know the RCA chords and shit like that to uh my Mbox. It was a, did I even have an Mbox? I think it was uh Yeah, it was an Mbox or one of my shitty interfaces I had at the time. Yeah. Recorded that in <clears throat> and then I just took a piece of it, chopped it up, added my bass, added my drums to it. And it was just another beat I made. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, oh, I see Socrates on this or Chaos on this. Just another beat I made that I thought that was dope. And then I sent it to Sox. Sox was like, yo, I want to do something with this. Yeah. Um, I don't even actually know if if Sox even hit me. It might have been Chase, his old manager. Mm-hmm. And at that time, Sox was on tour with Nelly Furtado. It was like a world tour. And Sox was like, playing violin on her set and shit like that. Yeah. And then also doing some songs from his set. At that time, you know, Socks had the songs like uh, You and Tomorrow mm-hmm. with him and Andrina and shit like that. He was kind of like doing his, uh, I guess, his second arrival of his career. And that was also a big look because he was doing the vocals for Timberland
0: in the Nelly Furtado, in the Nelly Furtado tunes. Yes, sir. Yes, mm-hmm. sir.
1: So when he had told me like, yo, we got one, I was just like, yo, this is dope. And at that time, I think when he was mixing the version that just had him and Nelly Furtado on it, we went to 40's crib. He, I got introduced to 40. Mm-hmm. So I always looked at 40 as, oh, this is Sox's engineer. Yeah. I had no idea about Drake. Uh, well, I didn't know about Drake, but I didn't know they were connected in a way. Right. Yeah. So I just looked at 40 as a separate entity and whatever. And then Drake as his own entity. And um. Then meeting 40, he had told me about this kid named Drake. I was just like, yeah, yeah, I heard about Drake. He's like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, we're starting to work together. I'm like, yeah, that's dope. But he was just like, yo, Rich, this beat is crazy. This one, 40, used to live in Parkdale, mm-hmm. right? So um, I don't know, one of them. Started, I think it was like Tyndall Ave, you know? I yeah, can, I, I can, remember. I, I can say it now because you don't live there no more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And yeah, he was just like, yo, Rich, you got to keep on making some shit like this. I'm like, oh, respect. Once he mixed it. The beat just sat there, or the song just sat there for a while. Mm-hmm. And then 2009 comes around. Chaos is, I think, about 10 days before his album got to get released, and they're looking for the single. Okay. I guess at some point before that, Socks has shown the song to Chaos. Chaos was like going crazy over it. He's like, yo, I want this, but never used it. But he recorded it pretty much like a week before his album. Got it done. Got it mixed. Pretty much just added his verse mm-hmm. at, at the top. So Socks used to have two verses on there. One verse is kind of taken out, um, replaced with Chaos' Chaos's verse on the on the second half of the tune, and then puts it on the album. Yes, uh, it wasn't actually was it the second? It was the second single because Zamboni I think was the first single, or no. Four, no, so it was the third single. Four, three, two, one was the first single. Mm-hmm. Then Zamboni. No, Sunday morning <sharp inhale> was around here somewhere. In that no, album. Sunday, no, Sunday morning wasn't on the album. Okay. Sunday morning was on Exit, I believe. Uh so no, it was four, three, two, one. I wish I knew Natalie Portman. Then Zamboni. Mm-hmm. So I, I was the second single on that on that project. The best selling single, I would say. You know, you know, not to toot my own horn but a Canadian classic. Yes. Which is, which is crazy because it samples a song called California. Mm-hmm. Um, Phantom Planet got most of the the, the, the publishing on that. <laughs> they ate up my part. Give me that. So I, so I got paid off that tune and I got paid off the front end twice. So I got mm-hmm. paid when Socks took it and I got paid when Chaos took it. So I got paid paid twice on the, on the same beat, which was great. Um, and then the residuals were, were great. You know, I played around the world uh, you know, I remember going to Australia one time and just hearing it down there on the radio. I was like, "Hey, nice. okay, sick!" Like the song has reach. So I I never knew making it when I was in Jane and Finch that it would go this far. Yeah, and that Chaos would pick it up I, out of all people. Like I've made remixes with Chaos's voice, but I never knew I'd get to know Kevin yeah. as a person and drink with him and have fun with him and. You know, meet Nelly Furtado and all these things off of this one track, so it's a blessing.
0: Yeah, man, that's that's an amazing story, and even like the journey that that beat went through before it even
1: became right. a song is crazy. It's like um, I don't know what I've seen, but it's like a dollar bill, like it's on the street, and then it, it, someone picks it up and it goes through different hands, yeah. and you're seeing the life of that dollar bill, it's kind of like that. Yeah, it, it felt like that song went through so many different versions and journeys, and then. It eventually ended up with 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 chaos who made it you know one of his uh staple songs i, I would say his last biggest tune that people remember mm-hmm. right which is which is and he still creates great music till this day but I think you know um whenever he performs it part of his set or when he even performed it for the o v o thing yeah right like a lot of people are like, hey, I didn't know that song yeah like i I love that. You know, I I have one of those. Yeah. At least yeah. in my library, you know? Yeah, man. And, and that is Canadian, too. Because, you know, to me, like, yeah, it'd be, it'd be great if I got, like, a big American hit. It'd be, it'd be great if I got a big worldwide hit. But, you know, Canadian hip-hop raised me. Yeah, So it's always been my <coughs> dream to have at least, like, one Canadian classic in, in the chamber, you know? Yeah.
0: Fantastic, man. That's mission accomplished right there. Yeah. And, and even with this... Um, in, interview here or this conversation. I want to be able to get the full, um, rich kid story because, to be honest, the two times that you came through, the one, the first time we did not even know how to podcast. That was
1: episode three, right? Yeah, we, shout, out, shout out my man Herc. Yeah, man. Salute to PK Herc?
0: We had like smoke competitions and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, We, we asked get, you like two questions. We was
1: getting high. Y'all niggas asked me, so how'd you beef with Saigon? I'm like, oh my God. Right? <laughs> like, like, nigga, that was seven years ago. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't feel like we got, we weren't good
0: at interviewing at the time, so yeah. we didn't get a full interview. And then the second time you came through with, with your boy, We're with Adam the, with Baum, the natural born, naturally born strangers. Yep. So we had to kind of split the question. My Juno right? brothers. Yeah. yeah. So let, let's go back a little bit, right? Mm. Your parents are from Ghana. Yep. You're right. Ghana, raised, four. <laughs> right? And you were raised in the nice part of Mississauga at first before your parents split, and then you and your mom moved to Ridgeway. Mm. What was that transition, transition
1: like? Um, I don't know. It just, it just seemed... So that's the thing. I don't, I don't know if that's on... Uh, was that Wikipedia? It might have been. Probably Wikipedia. <laughs> So my my dad was actually living with us when we were at Ridge and then he left. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, like I feel like we lived in a nice part of Saga where when when my parents were together, but you know, it's just, you know, as as a kid you don't really know know what the the, the politics are going on behind the scenes with mm-hmm. your parents and the economics of shit. Yeah. Right? So we were really renting where we lived and we couldn't really afford it. So then we moved to Mississauga Valley road, which is had a lot of buildings, the building, had a lot of Indian people in it, it smell like, you know, like, like uh, a chicken korma mm-hmm. most of the time. But, you know, it's just, you know, most of my friends were like Indian, white, Chinese, black, mm-hmm. you know, Jamaican, all that. And then we had moved to Ridgeway after that. Um But I think, My parents just knew how to keep it together. And my mom always gave me most of the things I wanted. Like kids today want way more than what we wanted back in the day. Like what we wanted back in the day, you know, you, we didn't need electronics. We didn't ask for, Oh, mommy, give me a MacBook or give me an iPad or give me a cell phone. Like none of those things existed. So the simple things my mom could give me and, um, made me feel like, yeah, I was, I was rich. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think when my dad left, It wasn't really more about, it wasn't really about what I could afford. It was more about just having a male figure there that could, that could give me some guidance. And then I just turned to just the homies in the neighborhood, you know, the guys that were older than me that kind of wanted to mold me into whatever they wanted to mold me into, whether it was, you know, helping selling weed or just, you know, being their young nigga in the clique mm-hmm. that do whatever to hold them down, you know, just it was it was easy to transform me. Yeah, you know.
0: Well, what about high school life? Like, wh- what kind of kid were you in school?
1: Were you one of the, the the popular guys in school? Were you into was, sports? I, nah, nah, nah. I wasn't in sports. I I gave up sports like right when I hit high school. I was playing some sports when I was in elementary, but once I got to high school, I was like kind of smoked out by that mm-hmm. time, <laughs> and. I was a nerd, man. I won't even lie. Like I felt like, like, I think coming up, I didn't want to admit that I was a nerd because it's like, it wasn't cool to admit you're a nerd. I think now in this era, it's like niggas like anime and shit. Like niggas niggas aren't afraid to like anime. And I always loved anime, bro. I like, I always loved fucking, you know, Dragon Ball Z and that shit. You know, um, Ninja Scroll, all these fucking anime shits. I love that shit. I was always drawing that. Um, I think that was my first uh foray into creativity, just animation, drawing, mm. and then music, obviously. Like I I always liked rapping and making making rhymes because my dad was a DJ. He always had the newest music that was coming out. He had vinyl, he had CDs, tapes. So I would listen to shit and bad boy was my shit. Like I loved Mace. I yeah. loved Diddy. Like P Diddy and the in the Bad Boy family was like the, the I listened to that front to back. You know, I loved Biggie. I loved all that shit coming from Bad Boy. Bad mm-hmm. Boy just inspired me like especially Mace cuz Mace was like the coolest nigga. He had he had he didn't have a lisp, but he was like slow in his in his uh in his in, delivery, his, in yeah. his delivery and cadence. And I was like, "Yo, I want to be that nigga, bro. I want to be Mace, bro." Um yeah, like that. That was that was my inspiration. So, you know, I was I was that kid that understood that I had a nerdy kind of complex where, you know, once I get attached to something, I want to learn it. Mm-hmm. I really want to learn it and um, figure out the mechanics of how it works. So, whether it was rapping, whether it was making beats, uh, those were the things that I was really attached to. Yeah. Right? One, once I got off the animation thing, and and it still has little. Uh, it re enters my life here and there when I you know, I teach my daughter how to draw and you know, I tell her like, Oh, you can shade in here and I'm like, Oh shit, I still remember that. Mm-hmm. But um but like music really grabbed a hold of me in terms of uh just lyricism and then the beats, the like the instrumental component. I always wanted to learn that and figure out how does P. Diddy make these beats. Then I found out he doesn't really make the beats. <laughs> but like before that, I was just like, "Yo, how does he make all these fucking? How does he? How did he take this Diana Ross song and just make it totally new again? Yeah, right." And that that shit always boggled my mind. So once I figured out how to do that, when I hit maybe grade ten, it was just like, "Wow, I can I can make beats. I can sample now." Mm-hmm. And then a man named Kanye West came in. I was just like, "Yo, this nigga is the god." Yeah, you know what I mean, like he's the fucking god. And it was like it was to the point where I'd sample shit. I find soul samples. So I sample shit, and then Kanye would drop a tune like, uh, "What was that? The the one with Twista?" Uh, um, overnight, overnight celebrity, yeah. So I sampled Lenny Williams first, and then he samples Lenny Williams, and obviously, you know, to my hood, like they're like, "Yo, Kanye stole your beat, fam. Mm. Kanye stole your beat. It's not even close to the same beat." <laughs> like, <laughs> he just used the Kanye same got his shit mixed by Guru, my nigga. Like, it's not the same shit, but. Regardless, it was kind of like it it, it, it it was one of those things where I was so attached to hip hop. It was so a part of my life where I couldn't even separate. Like I even started believing the hype myself. I was yeah. just like, Oh, Kanye must have stole my shit. He must have heard it somewhere. Um, but yeah, like that's that's the kind of kid I was, man. I was just so attached to making beats, so attached to rhyming with my homies. Um But like, I've had so many different phases of nerddom where it's like, you know, music is where I settled in. And I think it's also part of my neighborhood too. Like everybody wanted to rap, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, everybody wanted to be something. We're looking to be something, whether it was like be thugs or be cool or be a fucking gallus, whatever it was. Yeah. You know, we're just looking to be something. And I always wanted to be somebody that people fucked with, right? Like I, I can't even lie and say like, Sometimes I'd be telling people, like, I don't give a fuck what people think about me. But I really did. I really did give a fuck about what people thought about me. And I wanted to shape what people thought about me in terms of, you know, is he a dope lyricist? Is he a, a dope producer? All yeah. those kind of things. I wanted to be able to shape what that was. It doesn't. It didn't matter how far I went, whether I was a superstar, or whether I was the lowest of the low. I just wanted to shape my perception, you know? And
0: and even, like, as you were growing up, like, even with, the you know, you're explaining the nerd them, right? Mm-hmm. Was it an issue, you know, because you're coming up and you're, like, in the hood, right? Mm-hmm. People don't like the nerd stuff. Like, mm-hmm. did you have
1: to hide some of that stuff, or were you open about being a nerd when you were young? I think being a producer also helps that, though, mm-hmm. because they allow you to be... A, you have to be a nerd to be a producer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you have to... Use a computer, mm-hmm. and like from our era, like you're a nerd if you use a computer. Yeah, right. Like now, you can yeah. fucking be a shooter and yeah. still type on the computer or type on your phone and use tech. now DMs. technology. Now, <laughs> technology is so a part of life that you can't separate that and say, "Oh, you're a nerd for using that." But yeah. at that time, there was a whole bunch of my niggas did not know how to use a computer or use email. And shit like that. So for me to even be on there to try to figure out how beats are made and this and that, they're like, yo, bro, you're like a whiz. Mm. Like, all right, bet I'll be the nigga then. I'll be that guy.
0: And you're the link. Yeah. Right? Because you got to remember, not everybody knows how to use the stuff, Mm. but we need to record. We need to get some beats. We need need to
1: know one man who knows how to do this shit. Right? You know what I'm saying? Right. And th- there was a couple on my crew that that knew how to do it too, but it was just like I became the default guy. Mm. Right. And I had no problem with that because I also looked up to Rizza. I looked up to Premier. I looked up to all those producers that I felt were like the cornerstone of all those great groups or the great acts that I loved in hip hop. Havoc. Yeah. Right. Like once I found a Havoc kit and I found that snare. Nigga, I never stopped using that snare. I feel like that snare is probably in. Is it I don't know if it it, it might be in in the fucking um last hope. That might be a Havoc snare, mm. if I'm if I'm not mistaken. But Havoc had that snare. And that's the thing. I found out Havoc took that snare from Q-tip. Right? Like, so it might be a Q-tip snare. Yeah. But like I was just I was just the guy that knew how I wanted to be the guy that brought people together.
2: Mm-hmm. I
1: wanted to be the centerpiece, the ringleader, the, 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 the nucleus yeah. that brought all the great parts of music together. And it didn't, I didn't have to be the face of it. Yeah, I didn't really give a fuck about being a face. I only became the face just because I knew I could do it and yeah. really just shut niggas up sometimes where niggas like, yo, oh, and eh, but you can't do that all right, nigga, here we go again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'll do it. But I don't really care. I'd rather push other people to the forefront.
0: No, for sure. Mm-hmm. And, and
1: did it help with keeping you out of trouble?
0: Because over the time you were growing up and, you know, you did get involved in the streets, right, mm-hmm. to a degree. Even, like, before that, when do you think that you jumped off
1: the porch for the first time? Um... I don't know. I, I fucked. I, see, the thing about it is I know in my mind that I didn't have to get involved in anything. I'm mm-hmm. never going to. I can never convince myself. Oh, I did it for my mom's just because she, she didn't have enough money and we didn't have enough to eat. Like, listen, I didn't eat good at home really in reference to how I eat now. Yeah. You know what I mean, I eat healthy now. You know, I, I'll, I'll spend whatever I want on a meal. But like, yeah, I was, you know, macaroni and cheese and fucking hamburger helper wasn't the best shit, but I was eating. Yeah. You know, I still have food. So, you know, and like, I I think I hopped off the porch maybe when I was 13, 14, like selling weed and stuff like that. But they, I, earlier it was just to do it so I could smoke. I just wanted to be able to smoke. Mm-hmm. So I, I smoked and then just. Basically, I'm supporting my habit. Yeah. Like, now that I'm looking at it, I was a fucking <laughs> addict. You know I, mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, I was a fucking addict as a youth. I'm just basically We're selling just this shit. are discovering weed and right. shit, right? I'm doing this shit to support my weed habits and just smoke more. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. That's crazy when you look at shit back in hindsight. You're like, yeah. oh, I was going to waste you. But, like, that's... <laughs> no, <laughs> you're, you're right. Like, But that's what I was basically doing. And then... You know, I would make some money off it. So either money would go to studio time mm-hmm. or, you know, as I got older, when I started um, selling like cocaine, crack cocaine and shit like that, I went into getting my inbox and went into getting my speakers, yeah. which was important for me because I think the speakers definitely getting those Yorkville speakers changed, changed my base. Like how how I mixed my own shit, mm-hmm. and it made me understand the relevance of mixing my shit. Yeah, right. Like to get it like oh, okay. Now I'm know what I'm listening to. Mm-hmm. Before I didn't know what the fuck I was really hearing. Uh, but the Yorkville speakers helped me like really visualize. Okay, my bass needs to be a little bit more banging. I can define how my drum sound. Oh, I can EQ it like just EQing made sense more yeah. when I had better speakers. So, you know, like. Yeah, like drug dealing wasn't a like I could have easily asked my mom for money and just been like, yo, get me this. I'll pay you back. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you want to get out the mud. You want to yeah. get on your own. Right. And I've done. I worked at jobs, worked at Wendy's, worked in warehouse, done the agency shit. Mm-hmm. Like, I, you know, I just. I don't want to do that shit. <laughs> I ended up going back to doing that shit after I sold some drugs, too. Like, I just did anything where I could get a quick dollar so I could bring it back to this music shit. Yeah, and, and that's what I like about
0: this story. And I feels like there's always a means to an end. Like, mm-hmm. you didn't just want to fucking get a bunch of chains and stuff like that. No. Like, you literally made specific purchases off of different <laughs> substances. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, no. <laughs> and, and that's my you thing. Use like, the, you could use, you could take, I don't rap anymore. So you can have that bar purchases <laughs> off of substances. You can, ta- you could take that. You know what I'm saying?
1: Bad, 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 bad. Like, no, I was always, I knew what I wanted to do. Mm. I was never lost in where I needed to be. Yeah. Right. Anything that I do, even now, even if I'm not doing music as my forefront, you know, being involved in a program that I came from, uh that I was in the first round of, you know what I mean, to help other youth find where they wanna go. Like I feel like th- I have two desires to create and to help people create. Mm-hmm. Those are my two desires. Those are my purposes in life. As long as I'm living that and I'm getting paid for it, the fuck I gotta complain about. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um that's that's you know and but before when I you know when I was a youth you know, it's coming up, it was just about creating. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to be able to create and not have any restrictions on that. And when the restrictions came about, I I, I kind of retreated from it. Yeah. And when I was signed to Black Box, which is, you know, they're, they're a cool label, you know, shout out to Black Box. But I felt certain restrictions over there and I was like, I don't, I don't really fuck with this mm. kind of label situation. I knew if I ever went higher into the majors, it'd probably even be worse. Yeah. yeah. So I kind of retreated from the game for for a certain amount of years. And Remix, when I started working with Remix in 2017, it brought my love back for it. Working with an artist named Idman. Amazing R&B artist, you know, helping mentor her and coaching her for this game. And now to see how far she's went, she just released her new single on January 20th called Hate. Uh, you know, like I'm part of that team that's helping bring her to the limelight. Um, not only Toronto, but the world, you know, she signed to Sony Arista in the sa- in the States. She's, she's amazing, right? Like I, like I, I want to be. Again, the RZA or the Diddy or the, the nigga that can bring the talent to the forefront. That's always been my, um, my purpose, what I'm driven for. And then I get to produce and write for these artists as yeah. well, too, which is great. So, you know, that's, you gotta, you gotta go to where you, you gotta make your purpose,
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: right? You can't just expect it to just drop out the sky. You have to actually tell yourself, I'm going to be this, yeah. be committed to it. Almost to a fault or almost to a, an obsession to be who you say you are. Yeah. And I think that's, that's what I was, even before music was the forefront of my life, I was just, I wanted to be the funny guy. I wanted to be the entertaining guy. Like all facets of what my personality is now, mm-hmm. I had to be driven to be that. And I feel, I guess I am that to a certain amount. Yeah, no, you know? for sure.
0: You know, back in those days when I first used to see you, you and Junior T, salute to Junior T. Junior T, the architect. Right? You guys used to be on the stages. And I feel like we, we had this conversation episode three where you guys used to be on the stages, like just making up songs, like right there on the spot over yeah. like beats that y'all made. Right. Yep. Were you already in the remix project at that point or was that remix?
1: Yeah. yeah. I was in the remix project 20, uh, 2006 mm-hmm. to 2007. Class one. Class one, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when the program was six months. Now it's like now it's a nine month program. Um Junior, I met Junior when I was coming out of high school. Or I was still in high school when I knew Junior. Yeah. And he was just one of the most just amazing freestylers, commanded the attention of the cipher. Mm-hmm. You know, you've probably been in ciphers with him and seen him do his thing. Like it's just everybody's drawn to him is able, the way he's able to like just think of words on the spot and drop them, keep the flow and the cadence. It was, it was just amazing. Um, that's what attracted me to him. I was just like, yo, this nigga's dope. Mm -hmm. I need to come back. Like I, I I would come in a cipher. I'll just listen to him. I'm like, okay, I need to go home and write some shit. I'm gonna come back to this cipher next day. Mm-hmm. I come back, I say some shit that make people laugh, like "Yo, this nigga crazy," and then that's how me and Junior connected. Yeah. Um, and then when I was, you know, going through my legal troubles and I was on house arrest, that's when I recorded uh, most of my house arrest mixtape at his at his crib. And from there, we've been tight ever since. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my brother in arms right there, and um, you know, it's 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 a thing where you got to hang with like-minded people to keep you on your, uh, on just on your stance, like where, where, where you want to go. Like, yeah. where, like I said, when I, my purpose isn't, isn't necessarily to be a superstar. It's just to be great at what I do and show people that they can be great as well. Mm-hmm. And Junior T is the living, the living embodiment of that. Yeah. Right. Like he's done that for so many people in saga. Like, He's done that for me. He's done that. I would say he done that for Crooklyn. You know, I don't want to speak for Crooklyn, but you know, I think Crooklyn would even attest to it. You know, you know, they were in a group together with Smash Brothers. Mm-hmm. But now, even since they both kind of went their own ways as, and now do production, Crooklyn's been shining in production. Just you know, doing stuff for Isaiah Rashad and 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 J Rock and and. and, J-Rock and, and he, Absol, Soul, he's on the new App Soul album. Like he's been doing so many different things. And he just recently became a producer in like 2018, 2017. Wow. Right. So, but he would even attest to like just Junior T kind of coaching him and showing him the ways even back then when we was rapping. So mm-hmm. Junior T is, if, if I'm the Rizza, I don't know who Junior T got to be divine or yeah. whoever. Like I'm trying to think of who, who that, that, that older head kind of, uh, Patriarch of 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 the system is, but yeah, Papa Ju- Wu or something, Papa <laughs> Wu, right? Like Junior Junior is really like that architect of shit, and a lot of things that I learned, you know, come from him. Like, um, I, I look at him as definitely older, bro. He's he sees me as an equal, but I always look at him like, as a bigger brother, even though we're not far in age. I know? did
0: not know that. That that's 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 interesting yeah. thing to learn here, King. And yeah even with you and your beat-making journey, right? Mm -hmm. You started making beats because you didn't want to rap over other people's beats eventually, right? Yep. First beats. Talk to me about, like, making your first beats. Like, were they good off the hop or were they No, they were
1: shit. My first beats were ass. (laughs) They were fucking cockroach doo-doo. When did they start getting good, though, where where
0: you had the confidence where, like, you're going to start presenting These full package songs that are your
1: raps with your beats. The craziest thing is I don't know because I could hear a beat that I made pre 2010s and I'll still feel like it's ass. Mm. Right. But you know in that library of stuff is still uh, the last hope Uh, the get right song with Frank and Dank. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know I wish I knew Natalie Portman. Like, that's, that's pre, even though, yeah, 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 that's pre 2010. Like, that's your early batch? Yeah, yeah, that's the early batch. And, but it's not the early, early batch, but it's an early batch, technically. That's right? crazy. Cause I made that beat in 2008, I believe. 2007, 2008. Wow. That, no, that's relatively young in your beat making, though. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, cause I, I really started making beats like, I started making beats like two thousand and four, mm-hmm. two thousand three, two thousand four, and it. My beats got better as 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 FL Studio got better. Yeah, they gave me more resources to play with. Cause the early like FL three, they didn't really have shit to like. I could only make techno beats mm-hmm. and like really raw kind of beats. But as the program advanced, that's when I I guess I started to advance.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. and and even you mentioned one of your early beats was your first placement was Frank and Danks' "Get Right" song. Yes, sir.
1: So um, talk about that first placement and getting that. That was that was my manager at the time, Courtney Uno. Mm-hmm. You know, Absolutely. Courtney. You know, um, yeah. I I I don't really get to big up Courtney as much because you know we had a falling out, but Courtney was definitely instrumental to introducing me to a lot of the different um the different scenes in Toronto the guys that were that were running it the underground dudes like just everything in hip hop introduced me to like you know the Scarborough guys like IRS and Monolith mm. and all that you know guys like Empire doing it from downtown and Jeez. you know uh you know the hustle man you know uh in 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 like the north end of the city and shit like that yeah. you know uh, fucking smugglers you know what i mean all right, right? i'm i'm bringing it back right <laughs> like all those kind of things he even introduced me to like listening to project bouncer i was like oh shit okay this this is where i'm really here in the city mm-hmm. um so essentially like Courtney is the one that had a tie to ivan evidente mm-hmm was working in marketing department. Now he's AR r at Universal, but at the time he was in marketing. Uh, he was cool with Ivan, and he was like, yo, I want you to hear this kid, rich kid, he has beats. Gave him a beat CD. Mm-hmm. Ivan shows it to Frank and Dank, who he's managing at the time, and they're also signed to Universal through an album deal.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, Frank and Dank are legendary Detroit rappers, you know, that uh, Frank is the cousin of Jay Dilla. Yep. So, you know, they come under Jay Dilla's protege wing and they moved to Canada. Cause I guess they felt like they could take over Canada. Mm-hmm. I feel like there was a certain period of time where American rappers came up here. They're thinking like, yo, we can, we're going to take over Canada because yeah. we're American. You know, they won't, they won't suspect us. It's like, uh, I don't know if that's going to work, nigga. In hindsight, none of it worked. Um, but Frank and Dank, they were cool as hell, man. Like Meeting them, they were like down-to-earth niggas. Mm-hmm. They, they told me they played the shit for, for Dilla and shit. He liked it. Uh, And then they were like, our album's already out, but we're going to do a re-release, like a deluxe. Yeah. We're going to put your joint on there. I was like, I'm good with that. Yeah. They didn't pay me for the beat, but I didn't need to get paid at that time because I felt like, one- I was already making my little like fifty dollars, a hundred dollars off of selling beats local. Mm-hmm. But this guy said fifty, hundred dollars. That's crazy, right? You know. <laughs> Sorry, keep going. Yeah, it's it's crazy to me now. Yeah. If Anybody ever offered that to me now? Is, I'll never speak to you again. Yeah. Um. But it was like I knew about opportunity, right? It's opportunity doesn't always come with dollar signs. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it comes with networking and linking and. Imagine I would have said to Ivan, Nah, I want two hundred dollars for that beat. Yeah, Ivan would never look at me like as a reliable person. Or maybe I would be reliable because you know I delivered the beat on time. Actually, the crazy thing about it is, is when Ivan told me that he wanted to take the beat because I then I then became cool with Ivan. So he would talk to me directly, mm-hmm. and he told me that they wanted the beat. My computer crashed, and what? I lost all my files on my on my computer. The lucky, the smart thing I did was save my uh my beats on uh CDR mm. or a CD rewritable or a CDRW or whatever. So I saved that beat and I had it there. That's bringing it back, <laughs> right? Now, I, I, come on, man. This this is this is gonna be the throwback session. Yeah, but like I saved that beat and I don't know why I had just that beat saved. Maybe because I felt like you know that that was one of my doper beats but I had that saved and it was literally after Ivan had called me and told me like, yo, they want that for the album. My computer crashed. Mm. So I remember me and Courtney going to the computer store and they're like, yo, there's nothing we could do to save him. And it's kind of like, you know, when, when, <laughs> when your homie's like in the hospital, you yeah. know, you get, he's in critical and then the doctor comes out and like, there's nothing we could do to save him. <laughs> Courtney was line, Courtney's like, yo, what the fuck? <laughs> yo, you, you understand that my whole career my whole, my artist's whole career is in there. Artist whole and computer guy's like, yo, I don't know. I don't know what you guys do. Like, what are you talking about, fam? I, 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 I'm just the computer guy. Yeah. Um and then I was like, yo, fuck beats. I don't even want to make beats anymore. And then they, you know, they told me they're gonna put on their album. I was just like, ah, you know what? I'll make beats again. Mm. Just, it took me like three, four days. Um, then I got back at it. They cleared my computer out because I don't know it was like a boot sector drive failure or some shit like that. And just got back to making beats again. And um, yeah, when they said my name on the track, that like definitely put my name in the city. They're like, "Oh, who's that? You know, that rich kid's kind of like a like a Toronto Kanye West." Yeah, I was happy to take that title because I was like, "Yo, I love soul beats." you know i love making that kind of hip hop and i think i just ne- i just needed a way to kind of enter the game mm. right and um just even seeing frank and that be a part of the 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 all canadian thing that drake did yeah. for ovo fest i was just like one i was like these niggas aren't Canadian, <laughs> so why are they on the show? But it's I'm like, Canadian Yo, history. But 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 those but those are my niggas, man. Yeah. Like you know, Dank. I still talk to Dank here and there. We hosted a show not too long ago. Frank, I know Frank's been living in L.A., but mm-hmm. we, we talk here and there. But like those guys gave me my first my first introductions into the game, and they were always cool big brothers, bro. They always smoked me out. They always fucking. Invited me to parties, invited me to studio sessions, and kind of taught me the game when I was a fucking 19-year-old trying to figure out my way in the city of Toronto.
0: Yeah. And even around that time, is that around this time when you made the search with Drake and Sox?
1: Yeah. It was it's closer. I think I made it, I made that when I was around like maybe 20. Mm-hmm. Um, Sox, I was introduced to Sox through, through Chase Parsons, who was his manager at the time. And, um, socks really took a liking to me because of production. And, um, you know, I would say a lot of my production earlier on in the game, like had a lot of influence of socks because I loved money or love mm. uh, money or love was one of my favorite beats of all time. Like money, like. Right. Like just watching him like do his shit. I was just like, Yo, who the fuck is this nigga? Mm-hmm. Um, you know any production he would add to shit whether it was like Claire with the, the fucking uh uh the one with corrupt the under the skunk yeah joint, yeah or like the fucking rubbin or uh pimping life when he did mm. with uh, a black, black big big black, black Lincoln, Lincoln. yeah yeah which is a classic album which is criminally underrated and for some reason not on fucking streaming which pisses me the fuck off really yeah you can't
0: find it you yeah, you're right. I've it. only um when I ran it on the podcast, it's always been through the music
1: videos. Can't find it. Mm-hmm. Um and then his his project, Underground Tapes, right? Uh his joint with Pharaoh and fucking Common, his joints with Common, like I was just very like I was a socks head, and like by the time I was really starting to get into my own, he had just dropped uh coming up. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, the beat is so simple but so amazing. <laughs> I just love that shit. So, you know, to, to meet him and for him to take a liking to me was a dream. Mm. Um, and he, yeah, he took me under his wing. Like I, I'd be in sessions at, uh, Chris Smith Management. They had a studio in that building. And I remember meeting him, me and Gadget, me and like all the like Tyson who Is was this also- the building in, um, in Liberty Village area? Yeah. Okay, so yeah, it's yeah, like
0: yeah. we used to record out of there too.
1: Yeah, so or no, 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 not 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 there. That's our carpet factory. Okay, but I'm I'm talking about in Chris Smith's management's building, which was right right uh like right next to you know where Legends League is, right? Mm-hmm. So across that parking lot, that's there. There was a building, and that was Chris Smith. Chris yeah, on Moat Manager, Street, on Moat. Yes, no, mm-hmm. no, 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 not on Moat. On uh, Camden. Old Camden one on Camden, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah.
1: So, um, yeah, we'd be up in there, and like, you know, I remember just you know breaking down stems for him to just fucking rework on his computer and shit like that. I'm just like, wow, like, (laughs) wow, like I'm here, dog. I'm in the studio, dog. Oh, that's a sick. And um, yeah, that was that was a big influence on just my style, you know, even just. Rapping, you know, I I looked at Socks as like, yo, this nigga could do everything. Mm-hmm. He could rap, he could sing, he could play instruments. I'm just like, yo, this nigga is a fucking is a god. Yeah. So a lot of a lot of things he wanted to do, whether it was with my production or even how he wanted me to rap, I was always with it because I felt like he knew the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know I mean, I I let him lead the way a lot of times. Um, and you know. That's what led to. I wish I knew Natalie Portman, right? I don't yeah. get. I don't get that without him leading the way. Uh, and sometimes you can you can be great, but you have to understand the greatness of other people and how two great people can coexist. I, I obviously didn't think I was as great as him, mm-hmm. but you know you you can sometimes feel like, oh, is this greater person trying to steal my shine? Type of shit. Yeah. I never felt that way. I kind of always understood my position as a producer to kind of like make sure that this artist knows how to find themselves over my beat and play a part in it. Mm-hmm. Be a collaborator, be, be a part of the team instead of being the forefront. Um, I think that's the brilliant thing about producers. I feel like we are just adjusted to playing, being a part of the team. Yeah. yeah. Ro- role players. To a, to a certain degree, um, and we get it. We get our, you know, we get our flowers when we understand how to. Then, as role players, like I feel like it's like a Kyle, Kyle Lowry situation, mm. right? Like now he gets his flowers as the main guy, you know. Even when he's not on the Raptors, yeah, right. He's still a role player anywhere he goes, right? But when he came here.
0: Whoop, whoop, Actually, I'm, not, I'm not even done by one. No, well, I'll give you another one but
1: and you got a backup. But thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, Like when he would, you know, they made him a duo with DeRozan, but we all know DeRozan was the main guy. Yeah. Right. Like he, Lowry would always be number two. But I think when it came playoff time, 2019, DeRozan's gone. Now you got Kawhi there. That's not really playing with the team as much. You know, because of load management and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Been there. He won us some games. But, you know, he's a playoff nigga. But you need that nigga that's always been down in the trenches, seen Toronto when we're at our bottom, brought us to a second-round playoff team, you know, until LeBron – we would meet LeBron and then, you know, it's just, okay, it's over. But he, he, he had that experience, right? Yeah. And I felt like I was the Lowry to – Socks is Kawhi, mm. right? Like, you know, I would know. Okay, I know what this nigga needs to get him out. Don't matter if I get only two points this game, yeah. And it, but as long as this nigga could go off and get forty for us, that's that, that. I knew how to play my position. So did he introduce you to the boy? Nah, I met the boy through Courtney.
0: Hmm.
1: On a random street. Well, it wasn't random. It was like Duncan and it was like Duncan and Adelaide. <laughs> I remember he's like, yo, we're going to go meet Drake. I'm like, who's Drake? He's just like, yo, from Degrassi. I'm like,
0: what's Degrassi? And yeah, because like we Yossi. weren't on it like that back then.
1: I, I feel like I did probably hear about it, but it was just like I didn't want to hear about it. Because I'm like, what does it have to do with my life? Mm-hmm. Um, but like, yeah, I met him. He hopped out of a, he hopped out of a Lex had chain on. He's just like, yo, it's like, what's good, Courtney? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, it's good. Rich kid, yeah, right, cool. And you know, I, was, I always say it in interviews, I was like, you know, I'm, in my mind at that time, I was just like, oh, I could rob this nigga. Like, I will rob this nigga. Like, mm-hmm. And that was my mentality at the time. It was just either robbing or selling drugs, and I didn't really, I didn't really like look at too many things past that. Yeah. Obviously, music was always a thing, but just. When I see something better than what I had, it was just like, okay, I need that. But I also did hear, what was that song? Um, Do What You Do. Mm. Or Do What You Do After. I was like, oh, okay, this kid's kind of nice. Yeah. And Courtney was like a big fan of him. He was just like, yo, this kid's going to be the next one to blow. The he was guy. already playing on Project Bounce at that time. Yeah, before. he was playing. And, and, and for me, it was like, the nigga got Clips on the record. He got Malice on the record. Mm-hmm. I fuck with this nigga. Yeah. I fuck with this nigga. And I think that's even uh, where me and uh, Drake, like eventually me and Drake would link up uh, after his beef with Aristo. I had produced a song for Aristo that was dissing Drake. Drake called me. Drake's like, the song's dope. Let's work. We worked, But like a lot of our conversations where we would be working in Carper Factory mm-hmm. where then 40 would be in those studios. It would be either be 40 or uh, uh, Gordo. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know a lot of our conversations would be about yo lord willing how like that's like a fucking class album. when fucking when fucking hell half no fury came out where it's just like yo this, this nigga fucking push a T bro yeah it, it's it's crazy how things just turn out after <laughs> like I was just like yo the nigga we were talking about how we both fuck with his rhymes mm-hmm. it's like then you're beefing with the nigga and you know there was a time me and Drake talked about that too. I was just like, yo, how are you beefing with Pusha? He's just like, oh, you know, it's just these niggas are coming at me. But I I also feel like part of it is, you know, Drake goes at it. Drake is a competitor. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously if you're going at his big homie Lil Wayne, it makes sense why you're, you know, trying to defend it. Yeah. Um, but it's just crazy because it's just like I just remember the moments where we're praising this guy. And even like talking to Forty and being like, "Yo, like, you know, they all know he's dope." Mm-hmm. It's just you can't now admit the guy's dope anymore because you're in war with him. That's the op but I, but I, but I feel like you can though. <laughs> you can. Like, you like you could like the Opsis music. <laughs> you can. Like I, I just you know what I just seen what what was it Pressa and fucking YG at like. Some Kodak black fucking thing. <laughs> <laughs> and like, <laughs> I don't know if they were liking the music that much, but, but why, but why G you was saying the lyrics to the music? It was, well, uh, you know was the the, d- but that's the point. Like, they obviously don't like the music, but you have to like it to a certain, yeah, you gotta, if right. So I'm like, bro, like, and, and they could be doing it in jest. Obviously, they're doing it in jest. They're not doing it to say, like, yo, we're the biggest fans of this nigga. But at the end of the day, you gotta know your enemy like that. If that's really your enemy, you gotta know your enemy, like you know them inside and out for them to be a worthy opponent for you.
0: That, right? You know, and not to interrupt you, it's crazy that your first connection, because you went on to do stuff on like the the comeback season, and, yeah. Like, but your first connection was like around the Aristo times, bro. Yeah. Like, if I could be an emoji right now, I'm the mind blown emoji, fam. You know what I'm saying, like bro, that's early in the game, yeah. A lot of people don't know about that's Drizzy's first rap beef
1: ever. Yeah, yeah, and it, and it was uh, and it was like a back and forth. <laughs> like that's what. So when I look at what he's done with Pusher, I kind of like look at go back to that, like because it started with, it started with. Aristo doing a song on Boy Wonder's beat, mm-hmm. then whatever issue happened with them, I'm assuming this was like some you know Windsor Sports Weekend incident I heard about back in the day, right? Drake getting back at him on that same beat that Boy Wonder did. Also, Boy Wonder apparently had a problem with Aristo using the beat, mm. um, and then aristo coming back at him on my beat so i think this song was called good morning good morning good riddance no okay wait is is good morning good riddance the the response to that i i forget but i response
0: tune from drizzy is good morning good riddance
1: okay so yeah so i forget what there was something good good it was that was in response to the track that aristo dissed drake on on my beat okay and I didn't even know Aristo was using the beat. Like, he just, it was one of the many beats I sent him. He used it and put it out. Mm. And then I'm looking at Hip Hop Canada and fucking <clears> throat> throat> looking at Trake This, you know, produced by Rich Get Up, like, uh, okay. Yeah. And I'm calling Aristo, like, yo, fam, like, he's just like, yo, oh, my bad, bro. Like, don't worry, like, I'll hit you, you know, I'll compensate you. I never got compensated for it. But, and, and Aristo, one thing I'll say about Aristo is him and, Tony Webb, shout out Tony Webb, one of my OGs from Ridge. You know, they always pay me for beats. They actually mm-hmm. paid me handsomely for beats before anybody, like, you know, in the thousands. So I was just like, you know, they actually showed me I could actually make money on, yeah. on, on, on music. And they put me on some singles. You know, I got Sizzler on a single and shit like that. You know, I <laughs> got so more shout out,
0: Sizzla on a single, but that's cool. Yeah. No, so, yeah. you know,
1: shout out, shout out to Aristo. But yeah, so he used the beat. He said, my bad, you know, but, you know, it's already out. Cool. So now I'm in the middle of this beef, but I'm, I don't look at it as I'm in the middle. I don't look at it like, oh, Drake doesn't like me. I i don't really care. Cause I'm like, none of these niggas are street niggas. So I'm not really pressed over it. Yeah. Um, but then Drake hits me and he's just like, yo, you made that. Uh, I guess he got my number from Courtney. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, yo, that Aristotle beat you made, Yo, that shit was fire, fam. We got to work. I'm like, all right, bet. Let's work. You know, Strategic. like it, it Right, I, I didn't look at it as a as a thing, but I kind of also looked at it now in hindsight. When 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 he had the beef with Pusha T, like Drake is a real strategic That's
0: nigga, strategic as He's a, a very strategic
1: bro. nigga. Like the shit that he did with Meek, actually. Sorry, the, sorry, not not the Pusha, the Meek shit. It was just like it was brilliance. It was brilliance because the first disc that he did was kind of like, it was kind of, it was, see, that's the thing, man. I feel like the problem is you feel like when you talk about these things, you're going to offend some political connects, but I don't have any political connects, <laughs> but it's just like, I feel like Drake got draped when he went against Pusha. Mm-hmm. Like Pusha did the Drake thing going like you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the way he did Meek is almost the way Pusha did him with his kind of like with the artwork. You set the bait and then man jumps in sets his tune out. Yeah. Here's the haymaker. Which which was crazy to me. And it's like Drake is a competent lyricist, like you know, I I don't I don't ever listen to the ghostwriting shit because I know Drake got on writing for other people. Like yeah. I know I know his there's actually, there is no way Drake becomes who he is without writing for other people. Yeah. Right. Like he's, he's, his, as a writer, his pen has always been top notch. I've seen him write shit. He, he, and I've like, yeah, I just, it was, it was weird to me how, how the way that battle went because it was like one, this a uh, nigga we both said we look up to. Mm-hmm and two it's like wow he's beating you at your own game yeah right and in you know drake admits to it in that rap r- radar interview so you know you know you don't feel i don't feel bad for saying that drake lost drake knows he lost but it's kind of like the the ll cool j cannabis situation mm. where it's like yeah ll cool j didn't deliver a better diss than then second round knockout. Yeah, but he has a better career, and that's always and that's always gonna suffice. And as long as he knows how to make hits, you He's know, always that, you're always gonna eat, right? Um, but yeah, that's that's how I really got with Drake in the midst of his first beef, his first war, and I guess I've always been that a, a good war arsenal. You, you, you know, I'm a, I'm a good weapon. You, you, I have
0: some questions for you that move on in your career. Mm. I want to ask one more Drake question. Yeah, yeah. What about now, 2022, 2023? Mm. You guys still conversate every once in a while here and there. No, no,
1: we don't no? talk. We don't talk at all. Oh. We don't talk. We don't talk. I don't go to no OVO events. I don't, you know, working with Remix is the closest thing that I get tied to when it comes to like OVO stuff, like yes. the OVO Summit. You know, we help run that. Um, you know, OVO is obviously a, uh, uh, a, a, a donor mm-hmm. to remix, you know, uh, 40 used to work there, yeah. Future the Prince was a, was a student in there. We recorded, uh, uh, so far, gone, so far, so far gone and comeback season in there. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, I don't really, I don't talk to Drake. Last time I talked to Drake was when we, uh, when we won the championship and I seen him in city hall. And he'd come in. There's a whole bunch of reporters chasing him. And it's funny because <laughs> my niece and my, um, and my baby moms always make fun of me for it. But like they stuck their hand out to like get a high five from Drake and Drake passes through everybody. And he, he comes and he daps me up. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, Oh, you good? <laughs> everybody makes fun of me for my, my Drake. My Drake, my Drake impression. But the <laughs> niggas, <laughs> niggas, niggas kind of sound like that to me. Like, oh, you good? Just like, yo, oh, man, I'm good, bro. We did it, man. We did it, my nigga. He's just like, I know, right? It's amazing. I'm like, Yeah, bro. Like, nah, big up to you, bro, because you really changed the shitty, my nigga. You changed the city. He's just like, oh, thank you, bro. Like, we did this. Mm. And, and that's what I... I <laughs> I always appreciate about him. He's acting like it's a team effort, like we all did this. Nah, nigga, you did this.
0: <laughs> you were the golden goose. I didn't do shit. No, but, but you all, you contribute. No, 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 no. When he says this, and I'm going to give him as his his legal, his lawyer, his, his invisible lawyer, <laughs> yeah, yeah. right? His you, invisible legal counsel. Exactly. Like, when he says we, it's true, fam, because without... You know, the pieces of the puzzle, like Mm -hmm. the beats that you made in the beginning, all those different things help to add to his story for him to be here in the limelight now. For sure. We can't have the Drake that we have now without all those early pieces, fam.
1: For sure. For sure. You know, I'm just a humble nigga, so I'm never going to pump myself up. But it's like, yeah, I feel like, yeah, I made some of the niggas earlier, like his transformative tracks, you know, whether it be presentation, whether it be The Last Hope, those are transformative tracks for him to, uh, especially Last Hope. Cause I feel like that track was, um, like a passing of the torch, mm. you know, from Cardi to Drake. It was a little like literally, he, he says, you know, uh, what, what does Cardi say? Uh, hands blistering from many years of holding the torch. Mm. Right. Like when they did that on my song, when even Drake told me, he's like, yo, I'm going to get Cardi on this. Cause I have, I have the version where it's just Drake on two verses. Okay. So when Cardi added his verse to it, I was just like, fuck bro. Like this is crazy. This is a literal, literal passing of the torch. Right. So, you know, like, yeah, I I don't really feel ways that me and Drake don't talk on a regular because at the end of the day, like me and him weren't the best of friends. We're cool. We're very cool. Um, and I feel like. You know, I'm, I'm just happy for a nigga's success. I'm happy for him. I'm happy for 40, wherever they go with it. You know, they always know they have my support, Mm -hmm. but they got their friends. I got my friends, you know? Yeah. It's never, it's never been an issue for me. The issue I think sometimes comes with people are like, yo, how come Drake hasn't put you on, dog? How come the, but it's like niggas don't have to do shit if I'm, I'm not signed to them. I'm not their property. I'm Mm -hmm. not, I'm not an OVO artist. I'm not, you know, and that, and it was, I was always my own entity. I was always creative on yeah. my own. So if they feel, I think if they feel they can't mold you in a way, it's kind of like, okay, Rich operates in this side over here. Mm-hmm. We fuck with Rich, but he operates on this side over there. And that's how it's always been. And I've been cool with that. Like yeah, and you I- got, you got to be cool. You got to be cool with doing you and not feel like. Other niggas can contribute to your success. You gotta be able to fucking do it on your own, right? Yeah.
0: And and I feel like even on your own, you've been able to achieve a lot. And one of the things, even your first like album, or first time even when you started like venturing off and really getting into this music game, right? Mm. You started a group in the West Coast with the man from S- Surrey. Is is he from
1: Surrey? Son unreal. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, no, he's from Vernon, um, Vernon, BC. Yeah, right. The, the closer. closers. Yeah, right. Juno nominated. Right. Yeah.
0: What was wh- what made you make that choice, fam? Like I always wondered that when I first started seeing the videos. I was like, that's an interesting choice to me. Like he went all the way to the west coast to link up with a man to make make an
1: album. You know what? Uh, when I originally started messing with him, I think it was um, it was Tasnata. Mm-hmm. Wait, hold on. Let's see. I think he's on going in. Oh, there we go. Hey. It was Tassinata who originally hit me to work on some music and send him some beats, I guess from seeing my shit on uh hip hop Canada. Mm-hmm. And then Sunreal had hit me getting my contact from Tassinata. And at that time, you know, some was just a different sounding cat. He was like he sounded like he was from New York. He he'll make, he even makes fun of it now. His first his first album was called uh, "Trapped in the Streets." Mm. You know, hold on. Uh, uh, there we go. Yeah, his first album was called "Trapped in the Streets." Um, Brennan doesn't have any streets. They're they're very I've been r- every r- yeah. r- rural It's a very rural yeah. road type of place, you know, but. I think I for me telling him like, yo, bro. And he's on my earlier mixtapes. Uh, We on some rich kid shit. Mm-hmm. He's like the intro awesome. to one of them. Um, I told son, I was just like, yo, you could be yourself, dog. Like, I think you are you have a style that's like one. I look at you as like the rap Justin Bieber. Mm-hmm. He always makes fun of me when I say that. But, you know, I feel like, yo, you could really do you and fucking sell because you're talented, bro. And um, when I started, when I went on tour from Vancouver, well, it was it was starting at Winnipeg and then we went to Vancouver. I was on tour with DJ Mensa. Salute to Mensa. Holy yeah, shout out DJ Mensa. Um, we had to fly to Vancouver to rent the van and then drive all the way to Winnipeg and start doing shows all the way back. Mm-hmm. So when we were in Vancouver, uh, mental was like, "Yo, we might have to pay for a hotel. I was like, I hit up son. I was just like, yo, I'm coming out there. We stay with y'all. He's like, yeah, for sure. And at that time, son had this big house where it was just him, his manager, Byron, his DJ rich a, and a whole bunch of skateboarders living in this house. Like there, there was even one skateboarder that was living in a room, the size of like your balcony. Okay. Like he's just sleeping on the floor. But they were all skateboarders trying to do their thing. And Sunreal was a rap guy. Mm-hmm. Right. And they were all cool as fuck, bro. They welcomed us with, with weed. Like we got ounces of weed from them and took us to fortune nightclub and shit like that. And just showed us so much love. And I'm like, yo, son, we got a really link. And he's like, I, I told him like, yo, I rap too. And he's just like, Oh, I didn't know you rap. I thought you just made beats. I'm like, cool. Let's, let's do a track. So we yeah. did a track called already there. Uh, found a lot of chemistry on that track. He eventually came to Toronto to shoot the video. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, from there it was like, we built a cool rapport with each other We're just like performing at each other's shows. I put them on my mixtape and then black box hit, hit, hit me up and hit him up. And like, yo, we want to do a joint album with both of you? We'll do a, uh, a, a EP together and then you guys could do your solo albums. Mm-hmm. So we both agreed to the deal. And that's how Closures came about. But we started it as an EP. Um, one of the first singles was Wonder Girl, yep. uh, uh, Money, Money. Okay.
0: That's early And
1: Girl. I just wasn't feeling doing it from Toronto, like doing it in Toronto or doing it in Vancouver. So we got the label to pay for us to go out to LA to do it. Mm. Um. And at that time, me and my manager at the time, Addy, we had already been to LA a couple of times. We built this good rapport with the studio called Truth Studio. Shout out my man, Nick. So we're just like, yo, let's just do it out of there. Yeah. And we can really catch the vibe, right? So we had flew to Vancouver first to do Sunreal's show for his, I think it was the Lightyear Lightyear project. It was called Lightyear something. Mm-hmm. Lightyear album. Lightyear something. And then um we flew to LA all together. To record for the closers, and we spent like basically like a week and change in that studio every night recording songs for that album. Got my man Thurs on there for <coughs> you and I, uh Chin and Jetty. You know, a bass of bass who's mm-hmm. now on tour with fucking lavish, but we had him in the studio. Beat Merchant, shout out Beat Merchant, Arthur MacArthur. Actually, Arthur MacArthur, we had um done hometown. The, the single from the album. Okay. Uh, we had done that in Toronto previous to that. Um, but yeah, we just, we just got all these different producers that we admired in the room and we just created. And I think the main reason of me wanting to fuck with Son um, Pause was I think it was just a way one to get out into the West Coast mm-hmm. and really explore there. And I knew if I mess with artists from different places, it'll bring me there. Yeah. Kind of just clicked in for me. But also I just thought he had a lot of personality. He was dope and he was driven. Right. Like I I only want to fuck with people like that and to see where he's gone now, you know, he's, he just recently dropped the album. He's going to be on tour soon. Um, But like, and how he's transformed, you know, he's, totally like pop now Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know no 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 more rapper like he'll rap here and there but yeah and he always tells me like yo i'm gonna do a rap i need you to produce everything i'm like okay buddy (laughs) once i pop money start rolling in come on (laughs) but um just to see how far he's gone and you know yes we both have kids now it's just it's amazing to see his growth and i always wanted to fuck with people that want to grow yeah. in life and he always wanted to grow. He never wanted to be stagnant, right? That inspires me to just do a lot of the things I need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, yeah, Sunreal fucking with him was just more so a thing where he can make me grow. I know he can make me come out of that shell of just making the street orientated rap. Yeah. Uh, expand my pop ability My writing ability, you know what I mean? Cause I wrote a lot on that project. I executive produced it. And and even that, just being an executive producer to be like, yo, I could be the Dre in this situation. Yeah. I could be the Kanye in this situation, overseeing a project Mm -hmm. and making sure. And then, you know, when they when when Black Box got it back, they're like, yo, this is amazing. We want to put it out. Universal was I think they were gonna distribute it. Um, when they, when they brought it to universal and universal was like, yo, we're going to actually help push this. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it became a black box universal project and, uh, it did well, man. It, 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 uh, it was a top of the iTunes charts at the time, Juno nomination, Juno nomination brought us on tour, much music, Mm -hmm. video nominations, all of that shit. Um, and it helped propel him to do what he did next, which was everywhere we go Mm. and, you know, he kept on doing this shit from there, and then for me, it just helped me drop my solo project and go around the country, go around the world, kind of just doing what I do. So, and that solo project—that's yeah. the
0: one that has Psych on it.
1: Yeah, in my opinion, has Psych. Yeah, in my uh, opinion, it has I Be Lion, mm-hmm. The Valley, shit like that. Yeah, you know. So classics. My whole goal was just to be the RZA, bro. Like, mm-hmm. I just want to be the RZA. I just want to like help create. Give artists the opportunity, like just watching the interview with fucking Akon the other day where he's just talking about like how he put on T-Pain and Lady Gaga. But like, once they were starting to get big and they wanted out of their deal, he let them go. Let them go. Just like, oh, go do your tape. Yeah, yeah. I always wanted to be that nigga. Like, so whether it's Sunreal or whether it's like Idman or, you know, whether it's, you know, just anything that, 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 that comes by my table, where I could see its growth, and I could put it in a in a, in the a limelight. Even like with naturally born strangers, like that's a that's a thing that that came out of the concept of Brian and Spiritu in terms of name, yeah. But in terms of vision of what I seen it as for what people perceive as a group, we're not a group. We're just you know collective. We said, we said it, yeah. During the interview, it's just three artists that want to do a project together. Like, I just always wanted to do a project with them and Mm -hmm. to see it on paper and to see it on a vision board, then to see the recording process and then to see it out and to see us on stage where people are saying the lyrics back to us. It's just a crazy journey. Yeah. I love that. I love that shit. Like, it fucking amps me up. I love that
0: shit. It's like inception and then boom, like fruition.
1: And I just want to always be the author of that shit. I just always want to be able to create, whether it's like it takes me five years or seven years to create a project. I don't give a fuck.
2: Mm. As long
1: as I could see the process through in the way I want to see it, you know, that's where I get my kicks.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the stuff that came out. Yeah. There's a couple of stuff, a couple of classic things or could have been classic things (gasps) that didn't come out.
1: One. I didn't even know I knocked this shit out. I'm just listening to you in the fucking... <laughs> but yeah. It's all good. It's all
0: good. Yeah. Make sure that you're good with the headphones there. Check, 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 check. Yeah, I'm good. Okay, good. So why is it that you have a Kendrick Lamar and a J Electronica song that never
1: dropped, bro? The J Electronica one did drop, actually. Oh. It was leaked. The, whole, the, the project uh, Act 2 was leaked. Interesting. Um And the project, you know, it it was... It was supposed to drop twenty ten, okay, and didn't drop until (laughs) twenty twenty. Literally, literally, it dropped during the pandemic or leaked during the pandemic, Mm -hmm. and it was just because a hacker found ways to collect all the tracks, and including mine, and said, "Yo, pay me a certain amount, or I'm gonna drop it."
0: Wow, electronic is like,
1: all right, fuck you. I'm gonna drop it first, and then he dropped it. On like title and all these services. Yeah,
0: and what he dropped had your beat on it too.
1: Yeah, it was um, uh, memories of Merlot is the name of the track. Uh, he talks about his relationship with his mother, and then also talks about his relationship with Erica Badu.
0: Interesting
1: on the song. Um, and I just you know every time I would see him, he'd be like, "Yo." We're not taking that song off the album, mm. but like, hold, it, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Every time I'd see him, how the fuck do you start seeing him in the first place, bro? Because he does so many shows, he does so many shows, and never drops an album. So did you link that? Like, was he here, or, or how did I meet him in the first place? Yeah, to like to um, even like start doing some production. Did so my man Hash, uh, from London. He had a cool relationship with Jay Electronica. I don't don't even know how they met, but they had linked and somehow my beat got to Hesh Mm -hmm. and Hesh showed it to, I think maybe like it was through Addy, maybe. Addy maybe had a relationship with Hesh. Hesh showed him some beats of some Toronto producers. He's like, yo, I want to use this one. Yeah. Then at that time, Guru was working, was like the A&R for that project. So Guru went on, like, an interview uh, where he was talking about producers to watch out for. Mm -hmm. says my name in it. He's just like, yo, that kid, Rich Kid, he's dope. You guys probably haven't heard of him, but when you do, uh,
0: look out for him.
1: So I see this interview, I'm just like, or my man shows me the interview. Mm -hmm. Uh, DJ Respect shows me the interview. I'm just like, yo, bro, like, can you get a hold of him? He's like, yo, I, I know some people at Rock Nation. I'll get a hold of him. Yeah, I'll get a hold of Guru. Guru's, you know, very receptive to me. He's just like, yo, you the nigga that made the beat, yo, Rich Kid, you crazy with it, like da da da, like yo, we got a link. And so we kind of try to finagle some stuff where he would come to Toronto. Where in terms of uh, getting them to speak at Remix, mm-hmm. right? So he was a, you know, you we look at him as a Remix ambassador. He came and spoke at Remix. Got him shows down here to, uh, to DJ at cause he was doing his DJ shit. Yeah. Um, and then we would link at the hotel and he would just like, he was like, yo, I want to play you this whole album. So he played me the whole act two album. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, the shit that he played me in 2010, the leak that happened in 2020 is the exact same album. He hasn't wow. really, he hasn't really changed anything. The only difference is, I guess some of those tracks have already been out. Mm -hmm. Right. um, There's a couple of those tracks that he had already put out. But, you know, a lot of those tracks were supposed to have some features. I was told Beyonce was supposed to hop on my joint.
0: Wow. Didn't
1: happen. Um, And when it leaked, I was kind of happy that it leaked because I was like, finally, people get to hear what it could have been. Yeah. And I can get it off my conscience of I have this electronic shit that'll never come out. Did you never tell anybody about it that you had this tune? No, no, enough people. People knew? No, enough people. He announced it when uh, he did a show at, uh, I think it was Canadian Music Week. You was like Dundas It was Square. at Phoenix. Yeah. No, no, it was at Phoenix. Okay. Because I had met him after Dundas Square because I opened up for him at Dundas Square. Mm. Right? Um, that was that was a, the, me and the Sox uh, performance at Dundas Square Manifesto. Yeah. But um, he had a show at Phoenix, and I think, I was Big Page's hype man mm-hmm. for that sh- for that show. I was like I was assisting Big Page well, on stage, hobby. And shit well, while in, yeah, hobby. you know, another one of Drake's enemies. <laughs> this, you know, Drake has a Drake has a big rogue gallery. You know, <laughs> yeah. you know when they when they talk about Spider Man or Batman's rogue gallery, like yeah. you know the Riddler. <laughs> you know what I mean Drake has yeah extensive rogue gallery of enemies. Um. <laughs> Dead, but yeah, uh, I was, I did that performance with Big Page, mm-hmm. and then you know Jay electronica's was backstage, and he's just like, "Yo, we got one on your joint." Mm. I was just like, "Yo, that's love." Yeah, I talked to Guru. Da da. And then he comes on stage and he announces it. He's just like, yeah, I'm working with one of your artists, rich kid. Mm. And then people were yelling out. I just like, okay, shit. Like, okay, it's we on now. Yeah. And we weren't on for fucking a decade. <laughs> you know what I mean? And even when I would see him, like, I guess the last time I had seen him was when he did a Red Bull performance with Bad Bad Not Good. It was like a show at Massey Hall. Okay. Um... Yeah, went backstage, and he was just like, yo, bro, yo, it's still on the album. Like, we still dropping that shit. That was like maybe, what, 2018? Wow. That might have been even the last time I seen Frank Dukes before he turned into a way of a gang. But, you know what I mean? I seen a whole bunch of people backstage, but I'm I'm winning backstage. He was like, yo, it's still on the album. I'm just like, sure. <laughs> yeah, because at this point, like, yeah. come on, bro. Eight years later. And then as for the Kendrick shit. Kung Fu Kenny. I'm I'm never going to hear that track. It to me it just it doesn't even exist. How did you link with Kung Fu Kenny in the first place? A K a Kendrick Lamar? Uh we were the first ones, you know, and when I say we, I mean as a part of remix and also um, you know, there was there was this agency or What's the term for it? Booking agency called mm-hmm. uh, Smash Mouth. Okay. Time. Shout out Brendan Huco. He was the one that was booking TDE acts across Canada. He had like the the license for that or the, I guess, a contract for that mm-hmm. before they had a falling out. But uh, he did that show with Remix and we did it at Rebel. I opened up for Kendrick. It was me opening up. Lord Quest, mm. who was a rapper at that time, who's now uh, A&R at uh, Creative A&R at SoCAN. Nice. So he was rapping on there. And then Smash Brothers, Junior T and Crooklyn. Crooklyn, mm-hmm. who is now a TDE producer. Um, and then Junior T, who's your know, mega producer in the city. So we all opened up for uh, for for Kendrick. It was also supposed to be J-Rock, Absol, and Schoolboy. Okay. J- J-Rock couldn't get through. Yeah, J. Rock couldn't get through. I don't think Schoolboy got through either. So I think it was just Absol and Kendrick.
0: That would have been a black hippie show.
1: That's it, crazy. Yeah. Um. Absol does not remember that show. Mm. He stole my lighter. Mm. But then one time when I seen him at Phoenix, he was just like, "Yo, this is my first time in Canada." I'm like, "It's not your first time in Canada." So. Mm. Which is like, how high are you, my nigga? <laughs> but you know, so it goes. Um. And yeah, meet Kendrick, and he was a fan of uh, Back in the Day, uh, like the the song I had Back in the Day. Mm -hmm. Um, And he was just like, yo, I watched that video, that video, crazy, my nigga. I'm like, thank you. And I was already cool with Dave. Okay. uh, Dave Free. Dave Free, Free, yeah. I had met Dave Free months prior to that with him and J-Rock. We had pulled up to this cul-de-sac, I believe it was in Carson, Mm -hmm. Carson, California. And I feel like that whole cul-de-sac, it was almost like a Friday. Like, you remember next Friday? Like, yeah. just that cul-de-sac? Like, it was just like, it felt like that. And I remembered Brendan was driving the vehicle. Some big D's-ass nigga comes is like, yo, who you here for? And then uh, he's just like, yo, we're here for David, uh, David uh, Kendrick. He's like, "Who, who you with? And He's just like, yo, I'm here with Rich kid. He's like, oh, Rich kid. Oh, Park over there. I was just <laughs> like, oh shit, my name holds weight, nigga. Yeah. And then we uh we go upstairs to this like crib, and it's Dave's crib, mm. and he's there with J Rock, and I was already a fan of J Rock. Like, I love the track that he did with uh with Lil Wayne, the 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 All My Life. Um, he's fan a fan of his uh his his project and shit like that where I had heard Kendrick but I didn't even really know about Kendrick. Yeah. Uh so I was just I was already a TDE fan before I knew what TDE really was.
0: Mhm.
1: Um and they kind of like put me on the shit and they they admired my talent and I I swear I went through like 50 beats or more with with Dave just listening, smoking, chilling. And yeah, Kendrick picked a couple of them and you know, I had Kendrick's email, so I would send him some shit, and he was like, Yo, we're gonna we're gonna get one. We're gonna get one. Yeah. I will never hear those tracks because Kendrick, if he's not using them, it's not going to come out. It's yeah. going to stay in the vault and that's it. But um, yeah, he he you know, after I'd done the show with him, you know, I'd done a show with him in New York as well, opening up for him. When he came back for Good Kid Mad City, uh Dave hit me up. He was just like, yo you want to you want to jump on the show? I was like, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, they always showed love and they always had respect for me. And you know, Kendrick would name me in a couple of different interviews and shit like that. So it was just I had I admired him because it was like he had such a dedication, or he has such a dedication yeah. to the art. Doesn't smoke, doesn't drink. If he drinks, it's very minuscule, but doesn't smoke at all. I've tried passing him blunts many occasions. Doesn't smoke. He doesn't let the peer pressure of the world, social media, he doesn't let it get to him. He Mm -hmm. lives in the bubble of creation, almost like Lil Wayne. But Kendrick is just more aware. He has to listen so he can be socially conscious about the things he's talking about. Yeah. But he's also a faith-based guy. So you're not going to move him off his faith. Yeah. Right? Like he's very rooted in God you know, it's in, it's in his music. He just such a distinct personality and doesn't change. And if he does change, it's because he's evolving as a man. Mm-hmm. I love that shit. I love that shit. It's the same reason why I love Jay-Z. It's the same reason why I, I just love artists that know how to mature in front of the audience. Yeah. Um, so he's, he's in my top five, he became my top five after seeing him perform for the first time. And just how he knows how to use the stage. It was just like, who the fuck is this nigga? And, you know, I've opened up for a lot of different niggas. You know, I've seen Drake perform. I've seen J Cole perform. J Cole's an amazing performer as well mm-hmm. too. But Kendrick in a way, like the way he does it is just so fucking admirable. Yeah. So admirable. And when people don't like Kendrick, I just, I get it, but I'm just like, fuck bro. What do you, what do you like then? Yeah. To me, I'm just like, I get it. Like sometimes his voice could be annoying on certain things, but just the dedication to artistry is like, you don't get that anymore. Yeah. You don't get that. And to see it in the, in the forefront and even to see how he made good kid mad city and, you know, to get a call late night to just come to the session and see him, you know, working on fucking swimming pools, you know, from
0: that's crazy. And and what you witnessed that.
1: Well, he had already recorded it. Like we were, we were there, it was me, Crooklyn, uh me, Crooklyn, and uh, Addy. We came to just play him some beats and I don't think we even ended up playing any beats. I think we just ended up listening to Mixed Bali, Mixing Art of Peer Pressure, uh, Sing For Me, and mm-hmm. Swimming Pools. Uh, but just even hearing that, I was just like... and Before then it, they dropped, yeah. Before they dropped. it was, And then... Even him mixing the skits and just wondering what is this going to, mm. right? And then Soundwave, who is you know uh, Kendrick's, I would say you know what what Boy Wonder is to Drake, yeah, so that's what Soundwave is to to uh, Kendrick, com- complaining about the skits like, yo, oh, you have too much skits on the album, like like it's not a master p album it's not a camera on a white putting mm. so many skits on it for kendrick defending his point like yo i'm making a, a movie yeah right and just seeing the conversation of that and then for it to drop called a good kid mad city a film by kendrick lamar i was just like yo this nigga's my top five bro yeah. like the way he's able to explain and articulate himself and then make it happen that's what inspires me to do what i do right um So, yeah, That so to go all the way back to where we, the question that started it, I will never hear that Kendrick (laughs) track. It will never come out. There's a whole bunch of shit I got with TDE niggas that will never come out. Like, I have so much J-Rock shit sitting in the the computer. The fuck? That'll never come out because even if I wanted to leak it or drop it or whatever, it's like, I'm not getting the support of TDE to do it. Yeah. And everything got to go through, top dog. Um, I would hope that, you know, one day you know if i if i ever get to talk to dave free or kendrick again i could hear those tracks yeah because they're not signed with tde anymore they're doing their own thing now um they might drop on a mixtape or something you never know
0: probably not (laughs) probably
1: (laughs) (laughs) Probably But, (laughs) but you know it's like the last conversation i had with dave free which was like years ago i was just telling them yo i'm proud of you bro like you know, cause I I feel like they try to low dog him. Mm. You know what I mean? Like they try to like, you know, puppy him in a, in a, in a certain situation. And he broke free first from the T D holds. And then Kendrick eventually got out of, out of his deal. And then now they're joining up together. It's almost yeah. like, uh, you know, PG and, and, and Kawhi linking up <laughs> in the Clippers, even though that, that hasn't proven to be that successful, but you know, there's still a super it's a reunion. Team. It's still a reunion, yeah, right? Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Um, and it's just great, great to see creatives at work. Mm-hmm. Cause Dave Free is also a producer too. He makes beats, now directs videos. Now he has his own creative company and he's doing amazing shit. Um, but yeah, like everything that I do with TDE is just up to them if they want to release it, if they yeah. want to drop it, if they want, you know, but. I I have some I have some of the shit. Not the Kendrick shit, mm-hmm. but I have a lot of J-Rock shit. Even when I was in LA last year, me and me and J-Rock, they're like four tracks.
2: Okay. He's getting
1: drunk off Jose Cuervo, you know, talking about politics and shit. Like you was asking me about the politics in Toronto.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, he's putting me up on the politics of LA and shit. And um, yeah, we 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 got some bangers, but you know, it's all up the top. We'll see we'll see if they drop, yeah. You're right. Yeah, man. Only, only Top can make it drop. Um,
0: even like getting outside of music, right? Yeah. And and uh, um I, I have a few more questions because we're about yeah. what ninety minutes a little bit more than. Oh, 90 oh, we minutes in. In. oh you go
1: after to... we're going in
0: today. You yeah know what I'm saying?
1: This is the real drink champs without the drink.
0: Yeah. Now, twenty seventeen. That's when you started working for the remix project outside of just like you know, because you were a student once upon a time. Yep. But then you started working for the Remix Project. Yep. And then like, that's when you started, like, getting into your more outreach
1: side of things. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yep. So but, to talk about that.
1: But even in the midst of, you know, that, like, I've always been working within uh, outreach youth programs in the city. Uh, I think Gavin Gavin has been a real inspiration to me in terms of, like, what he's able to do with community, how he's able to give, what he's been able to set up mm-hmm. for a lot of people. And he doesn't really get a lot of the flowers. Shout out to Drex too, Drex Jankar. You know, him and Drex, you know, definitely helped change my life. And you know, I've got a chance to acknowledge that to him many times, but Gavin, especially, because I feel like Gavin has always been more in the trenches yeah. with the youth program shit. And he's looked at as the, the figurehead of it. Like, you know, Drex definitely played a part. Kendi, hey, is as well, too. One of the twins, the Ba twins mm-hmm. is definitely an instrumental role in, in in remix. But Gavin is always, I guess, you know, I, what I always say, coolest white boy on the planet, bro. Mm. Just always one of those guys that, like, looks out for people, make sure people eat. You know, if he's eating, they eat. Um, And he'll actually, like, you know, lob it so you get the win. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, a lot of my like first sync placements when he, uh, did the Mark Echo campaign and shit like that. He's just like, yo, I want you to do the beats for it. Mm-hmm. I did the, that was my first kind of like sync check. Right. And taught me about sync. Mm-hmm. So, um, a remix has always been a family thing. Like I, I, I pledge allegiance to him. You can't diss remix in my presence. I'm always going to rep for the great parts of it. Um, and. You know, when I was going through my music career and, you know, decided to to stop for a moment and focus on life. Uh, Ricky from uh, from Remix, who is also in the first round with me. Okay. He hit me up and he was asking me like, yo, what are you doing? Like, would you want to be a part of w- of what we're doing going forward? And I was like, yeah, of course, bro. That's fam. Yeah. And for uh, at first it was like, okay, cool. Like, there's this program in Western Road. That needs like a, a program director or like a, a program coordinator. I could hook you up with this first, be there for a minute, and then I'll bring you in the remix where we're ready. Because mm-hmm. remix was going through an alumni year. We were restructuring, looking for a new home after Liberty Village. So I did, uh, I did two rounds of my programming in Western Road, helped restart that program, um, because it was a program that actually J Soul was a part of. Claremont II. Okay, uh, it's from the, it's in their neighborhood in Weston. It's uh, urban arts, mm. but like the program had been dead for a minute. So for me, when I went over there, I just went straight to the hood. Just asked people like, "Yo, who's rapping? Who's making the beats?" Like running a program here. They're like, "Yo, aren't you that nigga from TV? Uh uh, uh Rich, Rich the kid, right?" I'm like, "Yeah, no, the nigga, but it's rich kid. But yeah, I got yeah. a, pro- <laughs> I got a program. Like, come through." And niggas from the hood would just come through, like, you know, shout out Sean Payne and fucking and Swagger Right. And mm. you know what I mean? Uh, Snoopy came through. DJ Snoopy would come through. Even I don't think he's from that hood, but he, like, there's a lot of niggas that were from that area that would, that would come through. And I uh, tell them like, yo, just tell more youths about the program. Like yeah. I'm here now. So I'm going to make sure it runs. And, um, once I was done with that, I went to remix for 2017, round 13.0. And I brought, you know, the same kind of mentality with that over there. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just trying to give you opportunities, and then also build that family vibe that I got when I was in Remix in round one. Yeah. Right? like it's the same reason why Ricky reached out to me because we've still been cool since then. Like he's, you know, he he knows that I'm a real one. I know he a real one, and we can help make each other better. Mm-hmm. I'm never gonna overstep him. He's not gonna overstep me keep each other in check and and but he's a higher position than me he's uh he's the dean i'm like program coordinator but you know he always shows me respect so his lobbies for me to get paid more and you know i mean it's, it's a beautiful position you know they added benefits so you know a nigga dental and medical taken care of nice but and and it just puts me in a position to get creative again and like i said remix restarted my love for creativity you know what i mean um I was always making beats on the side, but it made me like really want to get back into helping artists mm. and, and and creative direction of artists, and that's how I found my artists I work with Idman through the through the second round that I that I uh, program coordinated. Yeah, and you know since then it's just been dope. I work with all the artists at some point, you know, either pro- production or help consulting them in, in terms of where they want to go. You know, another one I always Faith, uh Fame Holiday. Mm, Fame Holiday is a holiday, yeah. Right? Like, hard-working kid from Saga. Um, and he, you know, he cites me and and, and John River and, and and Junior T as inspirations, but I'm inspired by how how far he's taking it mm-hmm. as well, too. And doing it on his own. Like, that's... He's coming from that same cloth of the DIY mentality. You yeah. don't wait for a label to do it. Just do it on your own type yeah. of shit. So glad to put him in the program and see how he inspires other people like DJ Natty B and all the people surrounding him and it's it, that's what I want to build. I want to build the, the same kind of vibe that me and Ricky started off with in the first round of remix mm-hmm. till now like it, that and that, that that shit ain't changing when I'm when I'm there. Yeah.
0: Know? No, that's beautiful, bro. Mm-hmm. What's the biggest accomplishment that you feel that you've had in your Can life? Can we take a washroom break?
1: Yeah, yeah go, for, yeah, it. go yeah. for it. We love hip hop. <sighs> But yeah, um, sorry. What was the last question you asked me before I had to relieve myself? (laughs) So
0: biggest accomplishment, like with everything that you, that we've talked about here, right? And you, you, you've done a lot of things in your career. What do you think is one of your biggest accomplishments? Um, we'll, we'll do two, let's make it a two-parter, career-wise and then life-wise.
1: Well, life-wise. I feel like I have to, I'm obligated to say my, my youth. Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And not like I wanted to say anything else. Uh, I think having my kid uh, Kayla definitely put a lot of things in perspective about uh, my upbringing. Yeah. Right. Like, The things that my mom did for me, despite the relationship between her and my dad, Mm -hmm. the role of what my dad was supposed to play and how, you know, now I'm in that position, how I'm supposed to be there for my daughter. And then also, how does my daughter see me? Yeah. Like, you know, you, you, there was a time I operated where I don't get I never gave a fuck how you see me. Like, I'm going to be me. I can't really do that with my daughter. I have to give a fuck how she sees me. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have to give a fuck what her perception of me is. Because one, she's going to go snitch on me to the teachers and be like, "Ah, daddy does this. It's like, oh my God. God, Shut up. But like, but two, it's like, it's, that's where her respect comes from. And, um, you know, I brought my daughter on stage with me, you know, every time, you know, I'm, drop a new song with Edmond or when I'm doing something new with beats, i will be playing it for her. She's mm-hmm. like kind of my, uh, she's, she's, she's my, my barometer of what is hot or not. Yeah. You know, like we'd be listening to new albums in the car and she'd be like, daddy, I like this. I don't like that. Uh, this music scares me. <laughs> this music's dope. Uh, so I I would say, yeah, my, my greatest life accomplishment is having my child. Mm-hmm. I would say that. And then in career, um, I think I could say gold plaques. I could say having a Juno, but I really think it's remaining creative and still being myself through everything. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I've seen this game break down a lot of people where they don't even want to fuck with it anymore um, unless it comes to a check. Yeah. For me, I don't give a fuck about the check. Cause I make money in so many different ways. I'm a hustler, but you know, I've never changed who I was in this game. I've always, I feel like I've always remained the same rich, you know, just based on what people have told me. Yeah. Um, and I'm still sponged to the game, even at my big age, right? Like, which you should always be. You should always strive to learn, you know, evolve not be the same person you were five years ago Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right so i think that is one of my biggest successes in music just staying me yeah um but like you ask anybody else they'll say you know the gold plaques or the the you know the, the awards or whatever and those are all cool but a lot of those acknowledgements don't come from the people you want it to come from, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or or you don't you, you know there are people that don't care about the art as much. So mm-hmm. you know. Well, actually like the gold plaque is cool because anybody that's listening to I I wish I knew Natalie Portman. like, you know, for example, like my niece song, like my BM's uh niece, who I call my niece, she uh she just found out like last year I did that song. She's like, Oh my god, I've been listening to that song. For like years yeah and, you know i went on my camping trip and i've been i listened to that I, I didn't know my uncle made that yeah so, yeah that's that's cool like so that if anything, to go on,
0: for a family member bro right think about it's, that it's cool it's yeah. cool
1: it's no no it's very admirable and you know um uh, i guess that's a signifier because like people listening to it people love it you know that's what drives up the sales mm-hmm. and the gold plaque is the recognition of how much people have listened to it over time. Yeah. Right? Or not how many people have listened to it, but how many sales it's had from mm-hmm. the amount of people listening to it. So, and you know what? I checked the Spotify is over like 60 mil. It's crazy. It, or, no, or, or sorry, over 40 mil. Yeah. People have listened to it. So, uh, yeah, I I guess that, that would be my secondary career. And then the third one would, would also be last hope with Drake. Mm hmm. Just because it never brought me any monetary success, really. But the fact that X hopped on it, Mm -hmm. which is like another one of Drake's rogue gallery enemies. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) X didn't like Drake at all. He hated on Drake. And I feel like that track was a way to link them together. Because when... X went on to Breakfast Club and talked about how he spoke with Drake and how Drake, you know, I guess sampled him for a record. mm mm-hmm. um, Yeah, I forget what record. Was it on Views? It was, it was
0: on the Views album. On Views, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he
1: sampled X and X was just like, yo, why the fuck I, was I hating on this nigga? Like, he's a fan of me. Yeah. Like. And he's just like, well, yo, I, I, did, a, I did a track on your B2.
2: Like, you know,
1: like, so, you know, we had that bond. You mm-hmm, know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was just like, that's crazy. Like, again, that's, like, that's I, 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 right. So I'm like the war nigga. Like, I'm the nigga that you you could use for war. <laughs> and I'm the nigga you could use for peace. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. Both uh, sides use your beats. <laughs> right. Right. But like X hopping on that. And for me getting a chance to even talk to X for a second. Mm-hmm. R.I.P. It was it was amazing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to Snaz for making that happen. Okay, salute Snaz. Snaz, Snaz. was the was the key for that to happen, mm-hmm. for me meeting Dame Greece and, and 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 X. Um, and then you know Styles P jumping on that, which that one was like, fucking Panero fam, like yeah, Ghost, the Phantom. Nigga, like Styles P is you know one of my favorite rappers of all time. That came uh, up from your bad boy listening too, Full exactly. Circle. Money, power, respect. One yeah. of my favorite, my my favorite albums coming up too. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, just just it was a very like Rough Riders really loved that because then Dragon jumped on it too. Wow, Dragon jumped on, but Dragon's track was a letter to DMX, which was crazy. Like it was just, I was like, okay, am <laughs> I gonna get Cassidy on this? Is fucking <laughs> Eve gonna jump on yeah. this too? Like. The Swiss beat's going to be like Showtime. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like just having all those Rough Riders niggas that I listen to like jump on the track and then all of them acknowledge me at some point. Not really Drag-On. I never talked to Drag-On. Styles P, you know, acknowledge me on the, on the Twitter. He's just like, yo, the Beast banging sent me some more shit. I sent him some more shit and never even answered. So that pissed me off. But at the same time, it's just like, yo, the Ghost yeah. and X. Those are the two niggas. Like X is. Was a superstar to me, mm-hmm. bro. Like the epitome of what a rapper could be is is X to me. Yeah, and and Styles was just I want to my I want to be a thug days. Mm-hmm. I'm listening to Ghosts. Yeah, you know what I mean. Ghosts in the Machine was my fucking mixtape. So you know, for the track I did with Drake and Cardi, which I which was already great, like a a, a torch passing of the torch track to then also be a track that DMX takes and talks about his fucking demons and shit like yeah. that. I was just like, yo, bro, this is too much. My head could explode, fam. And, you know, youngins will, won't will ever really understand the magnitude of that. And, you know, even people that are older than me, they'll be like, yo, that's crazy. But, like, just being that nigga in that position that created that shit in Jane and Finch living with my fucking cousin not knowing where I was going to fucking go Mm -hmm. in life. You know what I mean? It's just like, wow, you had X on your beat. And you have the nigga that became the biggest rapper in the world on that beat. Yeah. And you have, you know, big bro Cardi, who's the biggest rapper from Toronto at the time on your beat. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It was a lot. Absolute to Andrina Mills, too. (laughs) How could I forget the former first lady of ATF? (laughs) This is is what I'm here for, fam. Yes, thank you. Andrina Mill, who till this day to me is one of the most brilliant voices from our city. I, I, I cry sometimes seeing her, hearing her like sing amazing writer mm-hmm. and also like a big sis to me, embraced me. Uh, you know, to all have them on one track is just amazing, bro. So fuck, even if it's not a song that's gotten me royalties, I think it's a song where I go around the world and people have heard that beat before and been like, yo, I did a freestyle on that. Yeah, yeah. I rapped on that beat. Like, bro, I have a video on that beat. And when you go to Last Hope Covers on YouTube, it's just a whole bunch of like different people from around the world that love that beat. Also, I sampled my homegirl El Marie on that. Mm-hmm. Um, she, she's like the voice on that from a track we did before, so shout out to her. But yeah, I feel like it's, it's, it's crazy how far that track has gone. That's, you know, another one of those dollar bill situations where it's just like the track has been passed through so many hands. Yeah. And gone so many places. And it keeps going, man. Mm-hmm. It keeps going. And, and one thing. Oh, and, and, uh, what, what's the name? Uh, J.I., the, 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 the Prince of NY or something mm. like that, that came from New York i seen a video of him sampling it. I don't know if that's going anywhere. You know, I get, maybe I will get my lawyers on that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I see them post, like, post the, the, you know, using that track and say, like, yo, Drake was. You might need to
0: go get a bag for that, my G. I might
1: have to. I don't know. I don't think it ever dropped. If it dropped, I would have mm. found out. So. Yeah. But either way, like, you know, it's just, yeah, it's just crazy how far that track has gone.
0: And, and even like with everything that you've, learning and everything that you've gone through in your life bro like you're you're now a man in your in your mid 30s right mm-hmm. what would mid-30s rich kid tell to the 19 year old rich kid
1: that was about to start this journey um you're gonna be all right you're gonna be all right I know you look like you're not stressing I know you act like you're not stressing but you are mm. but you're gonna be all right you can't control. You're gonna be me, no matter. how. That's how time travel works. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that's yeah, what I tell. Yeah. i would be like, "Yo, actually, time travels. Yo, there's this multiverse, my nigga. Like, I'm your variant. Yeah, you know? nah. But I, I'd be like, yo, just chill, bro. Just have fun. Continue to have fun. Mm. Cause to get to me here, you have to have fun. Yeah, just have fun with it. Don't, don't stress the shit. Don't, um, you know, there's. I won't even lie. There's nights where I fucking just went to Lake Ontario cried and wonder why, why am I not where people say I'm supposed to be? Mm -hmm. I'd be smoking a blunt crying, bro. Like, cause thinking like I'm supposed to be somewhere else, but I'm like, nah, bro. Like I I finally came to, I came to a realization that this is where I'm supposed to be Yeah. and anywhere I want to go past this. I just got to take it there. Yeah. Right. But this is where I'm supposed to be and I'm proud of it and um, I'm happy how far I've come and how many people that I've helped influence or mm-hmm. help find their way. And, you know, that's, that's, that's the meaning of life, bro. That's the purpose. That's facts. That's the
0: purpose. Not nah, King. I, I think that you should be proud of yourself. Mm-hmm. You've accomplished a lot in your career. Mm-hmm. And even if you've ever had thoughts, like you just mentioned of not being the places
1: where you think you should have been at one point in time, yeah. but that I, was, that was only people's perception. Yeah. Right. I never knew where I was supposed to be. Yeah. I was lost. I never knew where I was supposed to be.
0: Yeah. I think you're in the right place in the right times and everything that you've done have brought you to where you are today. Mm. And it's, it's putting you into a place where you can the sky the limit for you, fam. And like, I, I gotta tell you, I'm super proud of you, fam. From the time that I seen you and and Junior T jumping around on the stage, going crazy, mm-hmm. and I used to see y'all around to just to how you've developed as a as a as a grown man. Mm-hmm. I
1: salute you, fam. Well, thank you, and and man, thank you to you as well because you embraced me early on in the game. You know what I mean? Like, cause like I said before, i will be hearing your name on Project Bounce, Friday, Ricky Dread, yo. You know what I mean? Like, I just and. I would always be hearing about you going up to Project Bounce, dropping new tracks, always hearing about Empire. I remember one of my first shows ever, it was with Empire. Mm-hmm. It was at the Big Bop. Yep. And I, th- I think even our crews even almost got into it because, mm. you know, I was, I was with Poison. Yeah, yeah. And he, he what, what do he label us? Mississauga Murderers? <laughs> Yo, what the fuck? I wasn't hurting a fly. I was fighting though, mm. nigga. I'm always down to scrap. I was always down to scrap. I was always front line and shit. But um, yeah, like I remember my first show was with with with, with Empire and shit like that. And you would agree know, And I, I, you know, I pull up with Poison, the Christy Pitts and shit. Like, mm-hmm. I think one time you guys had an interview. I popped up on you guys and. You're just like, yo, I want to get you on the Get It album and yeah. shit like that. And, and we did. You know what I mean? And we you, did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brought yeah. me to the video shoot. You know, Telly with the strippers and shit <laughs> like that. So I'm a young nigga with around some strippers. I'm just like, yeah. yo, it's run shit. up in the spot. Adam, run up, up in, in the, the spot. spot. <laughs> right. It's the first time meeting Adam Bomb and everybody. Actually, no, I probably met Adam Bomb the first time when, when I am linked up with you guys in Poison. But you know what I mean? Like you, you always embraced me. And, um, you know, salute to you for that. Thank you for that. I pre- I appreciate you, and you know that's why it's it's likewise. No matter where we go in our journeys, I always support you. Um, even when I you know even when I see some of these youngins that don't really understand your relevance in the game and w- the parts you played, and even when I see you sometimes do dumb shit, I'll be, I'll acknowledge you to you. I'm just like nigga, why why you want to be a meme? <laughs> like, hey. but but I understand it. Is you've always been the guy to transform yourself you never let I think I think we think the same mm. in that kind of in that kind of way we we know how to transform ourselves in a different situations and adapt yeah and take and take ho- uh, uh advantage and take control of those situations we're controllers mm. you don't want to be necessarily controlled yeah right so you know I I respect you for that
0: no man thank you, you
1: man that. I appreciate that king yo let the people
0: know where to find you like Besides your social medias, like anywhere where you want people to be able to connect with you and different things that you want them to connect with.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't really want niggas connecting. Just go to social media. Don't, don't, don't be coming out of my workplace being like, "Yo, risk it. nah, fuck you, nigga." Like, just connect through social media. Let me vet you out first. Yeah, but yeah, if you really want to find me, y'all, y'all can look up Remix Project and find mm-hmm. me over there. I, I work over there. I am the, the program coordinator, so I deal with the day to day in terms of like, you know, helping these youths make music. I pick who's in the program. <laughs> you know, I help run the events for the program. We just did a song camp the other day, a five day song camp at mm-hmm. Kilometer Music. Shout out kilometer, shout out uh David Click Cox. Oh
0: not to interrupt you mm-hmm. and salute to, to Click, I did an interview with City Fidelia over at Kilometer. So that place is so fire, right? bro.
1: So many studios in there. Oh man. Um Dope producers in there too that are signed to them. Um but yeah, we did our song camp over there. And shout out City too. City mm. City is uh, another one that uh that I, that I respect in the game. Um yeah. but yeah, you know, uh that's that's where you can find me a Remix Project. That's where I'd be working at. And um social media, Rich Kid Beats, obviously, you'll probably have that like somewhere on Boop. there. <laughs> Boop, right here. Yeah. Um But yeah, i just be around the city. You'll probably see me at some of these local shows mm-hmm. showing love. Oh, I think there's a show at least palace. Wow. As I mentioned Black Box, I'm getting a message. I'm getting a message from uh Ian from Black Box. That's crazy. Okay. That's crazy. Um, but yeah, there's uh there's a show tonight that I got um uh rapper Thelonius on. Mm. Uh it was it's this artist named Token that's doing his cross Canada, cross America tour. And uh a friend of mine hit me up. He was like, yo, what rappers are are dope in the city do you think could fit on this bill? And I was like, yo, this guy Thelonius is dope. I showed yeah, Thelonious. I him Thelonious. He went crazy for the for him. Thelonius is dope. Um he's he's one of those rappers where I feel like, you know, um, he kind of reminds me of Claremont II when he mm-hmm. when he when he came on the scene. Like has a has a clear vision of the kind of rap he does and the videos match it. The aesthetic matches it. And um his producer Cabby, who's all who's a remix kid, uh put me on to him and really like made me support the movement. And, you know, I did it willingly because I was like, yo, the shit you guys make is dope. Yeah. So like I was like, okay, yeah, Feloni's gotta be on the show. So now I think he's performing tonight. Actually, I might I might even go to Lee's Palace to come check it out. Um, but like, yeah, uh, Remix, man. That's, that's, that's where my world is at. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But you could catch me at the city, like in the city, like, you know, just supporting other artists, you know, being there side stage, front of the stage in the crowd, drinking a gin and tonic, just, you know, supporting the, supporting the scene. Cause I feel like that's what I always did to ingratiate myself in the Toronto community. And now that, you know, I'm, I guess I'm a, a, a pillar in it. I got to continue to do that to mm-hmm. like, to, to really show that one us OGs it's crazy. Sam OG now, but us OGs still have love for the young youngins coming up and we really support their art. You yeah. Know, I think that's important because, uh, you know, I th- I think there's, there's, there was a divide between young Gs and OGs. Yeah. at a certain point where it's like, Oh yeah. The OGs are stuck in their ways and they're gatekeeping. But it's like, they're, we're we're all in the same kind of boat, especially in Canada. That yeah, we, the OG rappers can't get keep shit. They're still trying to go for the shit that young young Gs are still for. trying to get the bag, bro. Still trying to get the bag. So yeah. you know, um, we're better unified than than separated. Yeah, it's not apartheid. You know what I mean? Oh, so, that's that's Jew-y right there, King. Right. Nah, man, I, I
0: really feel that we got a thorough conversation in here. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? We got the full history of Rich Kid. Yeah. In, in my opinion. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't know any other networks that have this full, mm. um, the, you know, the, the beginning to end or beginning to where you are now. Right? Of yeah. of Rich Kid. Yeah. As well as like the things that you've got going on now outside of music. And I really appreciate this. Yeah, man. Um Thank also you. I wanna give a quick salute to my sponsors once again, Astro Pink. If you know, you know. Hit them up on their website, myAstropink.com or on their Instagram, Astro underscore pink. I think we should um I'm gonna take us out with a track that we spoke about a few times in this conversation. Mm. Um, The Last Hope.
1: Ooh.
0: An oldie but a goodie. An oldie but goodie.
1: And I feel like, man, if they put that on streaming services, that shit would have got a go plaque too, you know? Mm, uh, for sure. I have no idea why it's not on streaming services.
0: Yeah. You listen, know, man.
1: But hey. We, yo, we're coming for that bag, yo. <laughs> Let's get it.
2: Jeez. Jeez.
1: the last breath christ <laughs> the last breath of christopher <laughs> wallace on that <laughs> faithful night the last step that martin, martin luther, luther took is a man <laughs> i got the power <laughs> of my world <laughs> in my head <laughs> <In my laughs> the microphone brings like from death in the blink, blink of an eye. i was born to provoke those born to yeah. die i was conceived yeah. to beat oh, all like
2: the- we love hip-hop, hip-hop. hip-hop.